you may never be your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here located in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast every weeknight, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on our flagship network, the Global Star Radio Network. We're simulcast on BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio. We can watch us live as well on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Just go to hagmanandhagman.com and uh, click on uh, your your preferences to listening or uh, video venue. Uh, folks, don't forget, we've got two separate websites, one for the show, that's HagmanandHagman.com, and, of course, one for news, information, show prep material, that's HagmanReport.com. And Doug Hagman, of course, with Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team, where we dig deep into the topics that the corporate captured mass media won't. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. This is such a, a blessing to have uh, two of our favorite guests and favorite people on, um, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com, and of course, Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com, linked right off of hagmanandhagman.com. So if you're there, you can uh, uh, click right onto their respective websites. Don't forget to check out the verse of the day, the picture of the day, the Q alerts on Steve Quayle's website, and of course, Pastor Langford has got some great video on his website, The Voice of Evangelism, so check that out as well. And portions of the nice broadcast, I want to let everyone know, brought to you by Minute Man Stove. I'll tell you what, you want a stove for your um, needs, your prep, to have in your preps? Minute Man Stove is... Even for camping. Yeah, for camping. I mean, this is an ammunition can that's been uh, redesigned, and I'll tell you something, it really works well. More on that later. Now, tonight... Um, the, of course, when we're talking about the attack on the Word of God and the attack on Christians, the attack on Christianity, but specifically the attack on the Word of God, and the attack on the Word of God really began in the Garden of Eden, and we've seen this play out, not just there, but continuing forward till to today. 
and uh, a lot of people we we're getting we're, we're getting a lot of reports of of um people saying well my goodness you know something uh, well i can equate it to the mandela effect a little bit is if you look at the show uh, uh promo, promo for tonight we mentioned the mandela effect and people are actually claiming that uh through some sort of uh um um, so, so through some uh, manner, from, from some sort of uh, gap in the time-space continuum, right. there you go. There has been uh, things that have been changed in the past. Whether it has been the uh, a person, uh, a celebrity, or, or well-known person that has been announced to be a, a dead three, four, five, six right. times to. Uh, now we're seeing it spill over into the Bible, where people are saying uh, that that Scripture has changed, <laughs> and, and uh, there's it, a, few it, exam- yeah. a few examples of that, as well as things like the Berenstein Bears, um, and now the JFK assassinations getting thrown in there. People we're are saying there, there was only four yeah. people in the car, not six people in the car when he was assassinated. Right? Did you know that? Did you? Can you? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's really there's ridiculous. a lot of examples, but it's called the Mand- Mandela effect. Okay, and that's part of the conversation. Um, now, before we turn this over to Pastor David Langford, he's going to start us out tonight. Uh, I just want to mention too, Joe, that that uh, Pastor Langford has been in prayer in preparation for tonight and in prayer uh, about this subject, about this topic, and uh, uh, there is a, uh, there's a word that uh, that. I, I am to mention, and that word is ignition. And you know, as soon as I heard that, Steve and I were talking earlier today, and as soon as I heard that word ignition, I thought of acceleration, and I thought of how quickly a solid engine rocket fuel booster burns, you know, the, the acceleration of, from the ignition. And so we're, we're going to start off with that, but before we do, I just want to mention, you know, Joe, um, you know I've been doing research on the different uh, translations and iterations of, of, the, of the Holy Bible. And uh, you've been doing it as well, and we've been sharing it with Eric the Tech. By the way, folks, Eric the Tech is back at the helm uh, in, the, in the Star Trek chair on the camera uh, angles and also on audio. So let's uh, welcome him back. Uh, thanks for the round of applause. Great studio audience here. Just kidding. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Eric, for uh, coming back when uh, when I thought you were you were fleeing from uh, when you were seeking extra extradition elsewhere. We got to take that ad out of the uh, uh, classifieds. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But anyway, be, before we get into uh, the the topic tonight, before I turn this over to Pastor David Langford, I was just sharing something with him from our our research, and that's the fact that you know there are so many different variations of the of the Bible, and of course the uh, original um, uh, King James version of the Bible. Uh, many people believe it was uh, first written in English uh, in 1611. Well, there are earlier uh, versions as well. We can go back to the Erasmus Greek Latin New Testament of 1516, the Texas uh, Textus Receptus, which is the, uh, the uh, by definition, the Latin received text, uh, parallel New Testament edition prior to, which precedes the King James uh, uh, 1611 edition. But having said all of that, I just want to point one thing out really quick. Before we jump to conclusions about how things are changing, perhaps assigning or, or ascribing some sort of uh, weird, as Joe said, space-time continuum uh, twisted thing going on here, um, I'm just going to give you a couple of facts about the differences between the King James Version of the Bible and the New King James Version Bible. Uh Totally different books, basically. Just to give you some, throw some facts here. Uh, the New King James Version of the Bible was, uh, was published by, uh, 
uh, well, uh, the, the new, I'm sorry, yeah, the New King James Version of the Bible versus the King James Version of the Bible. Consider this. The New King James Version removes the word Lord 66 times. The, that, that version removes the word God 51 times from the pages of of the New King James Version, or of the of the King James Version, I'm sorry. The New King James Version removes the word heaven 50 times. In just the New Testament alone, the New King James Version removes 2,289 words. That, that's from the, New, uh, from the King James Version. And in total, the New King James Version makes over 100,000 word changes from the King James Version of the Bible. And most of those changes are going to match the NIV versions, the NASV, the RSV versions. And of course, as I meant to mention earlier, Thomas Nelson Publishers are the, are the publishers behind the New King James Version. Uh, this according to, uh, according to research. And it's interesting, Moody Monthly, June 1982, the back cover, they say nothing has been changed except to make the original meaning clearer. Well, I'm not sure how you do that by making such changes, um, as I had mentioned in removals, um, uh, changing, for example, uh, 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 Jesus to Joshua in one instance in Hebrews 4, 8, and Acts 7, 45. And I can go on, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take up the time of our guests. Uh, with that, I'm going to bring on Pastor David Langford, something, someone I like to call our pastor. Uh, um, here at the Hagman and Hagman Report, as well as America's Pastor. Pastor David Langford, thanks for coming on tonight. Oh, Doug and uh, Joe and Steve, it's always such a privilege, and I, and I say that with sincerity, to be with you guys, and it's such an honor uh, for the listeners to allow us to come into their home, their business. Maybe you've downloaded the program, and tomorrow you're listening it while you're in your automobile or in the office working or riding your bicycle or whatever, it's it's always our privilege and uh, our joy and our treat uh, to be with the people of God and uh, share the Word of God. And, Doug, some of those statistics that you were sharing there are unbelievable, and it shows such an attack on the Word of God. You see, when God allowed us to have the King James Version translated, and it comes from different sects relative to who did what, the Latin Vulgate, the Greek Syriac, the Greek Septuagint, the di- different things of that nature, but my point is, there was much prayer and fasting that went in to translate and give us what we have. Well, today, I assure you, there is no prayer, and there is no fasting in these translations it's just from an intellectual mindset. And you cannot understand the Word of God through your intellectualism. Luke twenty four forty five. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Then he opened their understanding. Unless God opens a man's understanding in the Word of God, it'll go right over his head. 1 Corinthians 2.14 said, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And I need to stop right here and make an announcement. Uh, Myself, Steve Quayle, Tom Horn, and Gary Haven will be at Jim Baker's 
on August the 19th, 20th, and 21st. I'll be preaching Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Steve and Tom will be doing teaching during the day. And uh, I talked with Lori a while ago. There's going to be uh, something on their website by the end of the week. It's called uh, jimbakershow.com. And there will be something on that banner that will say, Click on Event. And you need to register ASAP because it's going to be limited to 1,000 people, and that's it. And uh, my concern is not because we think we're anybody or anyone special, God forbid, but I'm afraid with Steve and Tom and Gary, uh, this will fill up very, very quickly. And I don't want anyone to come and then have to be turned away because there's not enough room. So uh, it's RSVP, so if you have an interest in coming in August, and you'll also be staying in Branson, uh, there's not enough motels. Actually, they, the, uh, Brother Baker's ministry is in Blue Eye, Missouri, which is a very, very little place. Uh, you'll be staying in Branson, and it's about a 20-minute drive to the uh, facilities there in Blue Eye, Missouri. So I want to encourage those of you who have interest in coming. There's no fee. It's just sign up and, and come on and get your motel room and be a part of this great event. And the reason I'm telling you now is I don't want you to show up and, and, and regretfully have to be turned away because there's not enough room. So please, if you have an interest in coming, go to jimbakershow.com. I would suggest you go every day until they get this banner up. And it should say click on event, and then you can register there. And then I assume once they get the thousand registered, they'll probably pull that down because we don't want people coming and, and not able to, to come into the building or be a part of that. So please take that uh, to heart tonight and uh, don't uh, lollygag around. If you want to come, be sure you get registered. Getting back to the scriptures, I have been overwhelmed I have been inundated with all of these people emailing me or phoning me about their Bibles changing. Uh, I suppose what is so sad about that is the naivety and the immaturity, and I don't say that to be condescending or demeaning to anyone. But you must understand, if that was going to take place, I think I have five or six strong exhaustive concordances. They would have to change every one of them as well to take out these words and of course the most famous one that I'm getting hammered with is Isaiah 11 and 6 the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them and of course everyone is saying that the word wolf was never in there well, the truth is, it's always been there. Even my grandmother, as a little boy, she would talk to me about the millennial reign of Christ and would always say, the day will come when the lion will lay down with the lamb. Well, if you'll read that verse in its context, it does say the lion and the wolf and the leopard, they're all going to lay down with the little kid and with the calf and the fatling. And, but people are saying, well, the word wolf was never there. 
Well, I suppose the reason my grandmother would emphasize lion is because in North Carolina we don't have any lions. But we do have wolves and coyotes and foxes and things like that, and people here have goats and sheep, and they, of course, attack them. And so I reckon she was emphasizing the magnitude of the Spirit of God that will cover the earth, and, of course, the lion, the leopard, uh, will go back to eating straw like cows and ox and cattle do. That's, that's, that's the magnitude of the change. One lady uh, emailed me. She said, I know the word matrix was never in the Bible. She said, I know. Well, she's wrong. Uh, of course, that's in uh, one of the references. It's in Exodus thirty-four nineteen. All that openeth the matrix is mine. And I'll never forget the first time I read that 30, 37, 38 years ago, however long ago it was. Matrix does, does not sound King James. And, of course, I reckon because of some of these movies about Matrix, that's why people say, well, that was never in the Bible. Well, it's it's been there. It's just you don't know your Bible, so you make assumptions that it was not there. I'm going to share a few verses tonight. Uh, that's one of them, or two of them. I want to share a couple of verses tonight to show you how people have taken scriptures and they've made idioms out of them and people didn't know it was scripture. Another hey, Pastor, one is, I'm sorry. If I can just jump in and, sure. uh, the, the word matrix is found five times in the Bible. It is right. in Exodus three times in Numbers twice. And the definition in the Hebrew, the Strong's Concordance is, uh, seven, or H seven three five eight. And it's, uh, Rechem, uh, the womb is, right. uh, the definition just to let people know. Yeah, yeah, that's and and and, and uh, but but I reckon because of these movies, which I don't go to movies, I don't I don't I've never watched them, you know. But I remember advertising something about the Matrix, uh, and I think it's been used in another meaning, another definition. But every every firstborn male that opened the womb or the Matrix, God said was mine. Well, uh, another statement, we've all said this, or we've heard it said. Well, that's not a drop in the bucket, talking about how little or insignificant something was. Well, that's not a drop in a bucket. Well, that is an idiom from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15. Isaiah said, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, are as a drop of a bucket. And we've heard the cliche or the idiom, well, that's not a drop in the bucket. You take a three-gallon bucket, five-gallon bucket, you put one drop of water in it, you would say, that's not a drop in the bucket. That's, that's nothing. Well, that's where that came from. That came from the Word of God, but yet it's been made an idiom, a statement, and uh, it's it's been misrepresented in, in its context, but they took a phrase from the Scriptures and they used that. And then again, of course, uh, Isaiah chapter 65 and 66 speak specifically of the millennial reign of Christ. Now, in Isaiah 11, he starts out talking about the, the stem and the seed of Jesse, the coming Messiah through David, etc., but he does go into a, a segment there in verses 6 and 7 about the millennial reign of Christ. But the bulk of that is found in 
Isaiah 65 and 66. And, of course, in Isaiah 65 and 25 says, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. So there was another reference to the wolf and the lion and the lamb lying down eat, and eating together, and also the lion will go back and no longer be carnivorous, but will eat straw like a cow or an ox. And then here's the last one, and I'm not being ugly here, and don't no one please take me out of context, but we've all heard the term dumbass. Well, that's in the Bible. And when I was in the world, we used it against someone when they would say something stupid. You know, somebody would make a stupid, a stupid statement, and we would turn, and we would call them a dumbass. Well, that's from Second Peter 2.16. And it's talking about Balaam. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So, again, that is a Bible verse of Scripture that's been taken and used as an idiom in calling someone stupid, see? And because we call animals dumb animals, because they, they don't communicate or talk to us because they can't speak. So God took the jackass and gave him a man's voice. So Peter said, the dumbass speaking. So we've taken that phrase as well, and we've misinterpreted it and used it in a, in a, in a derogative manner in the world as, as slang. And, uh, this is why you need to know your Bible. I mean, I've been in church services and meetings and, and, you know, I get emails every week to correct somebody about something. Um, and that's not my job to go around and correct every talk show host. My job is to do one thing, and that's to preach the Word of God. But I have this continual, uh, you know, emails, phone calls, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that. Well, you know, you call them and you straighten them out, because that's not what God called me to do. God called me to preach the Word. Now, now that you know your Bible is not changing, this is, this is why you need so greatly to know your Bible, because as one person emailed me today, said, I suppose my Bible did not get the memo, and my Bible has not changed. And, and, and uh, the person went on to say, if people can believe that, then they can believe a lie and take the mark of the beast. Because you're believing a lie right now with this so-called Mandela thing. I didn't even know this was even in existence until I start, started getting bombarded by all these emails and phone calls that the Bible's changing. Oh, yeah, another one was bottles instead of wineskins. Well, we all know in the original Greek it was wineskin, but in the King James it uses the phrase a bottle and not wineskin. And so I've just heard so much about so many things, which tells me people aren't reading their Bible and their novices relative to the Scriptures. But let me get away from that and get on something more interesting. Um, we all know that the mass killing we witnessed this past Saturday night and the purported 
killer was named Omar Mateen. Well, back in the fall of 2008, and those of you who have followed this ministry that long, I even put it in a, e, uh, a newsletter that the last named hurricane was called Omar. It formed in the Atlantic. It never affected any land in the in the Gulf or Haiti or anywhere down there, Cuba. But it went right on out in the Atlantic, and it just totally disappeared. But I do what we call word etymology. I do a lot of word studies constantly. I'm always studying words and the word. And I found out that the word Omar simply means Islam is flourishing. Now, Mateen, which was the man's last name, his last name means powerfully or forcibly. Well, you put the two together, Islam is flourishing powerfully. And you have a Muslim president who I believe God is getting ready to put something in his heart and expose him for what he is and what people have in, been in denial as to what he is. This morning when I got up, for whatever reason, the first thought that came into my mind was Obadiah, verse 15. It's only one chapter. Nobody knows really much about Obadiah. He's not the Obadiah in the book of 1 Kings, which hid 7,000 of God's people during the reign of Ahab, the, the uh, king of Israel, under Elisha's reign as prophet. But he hid 7,000 of God's people. That's when he, uh, God told Elijah, I've got 7,000 that have never bowed a knee. And Obadiah was the man that hid them. But this is not that man. We, we, really, we really have no significance of who this man is, where he came, or whatever, where he came from. But he says in Obadiah, verse 15, Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. And so that's the first thing that was in my mind this morning when I awakened from my sleep. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head, which that's like a boomerang. You throw it out, it comes back. I've been saying for years, these people in leadership, they think they're getting by. They're being very bigoted. They're being very arrogant. They're being self-righteous. And they think everything that they're doing, just like Israel did to Joseph, I should say his brothers, they meant it for evil, but God, he meant it for good. And of course, God took and he turned everything around that they had done, he took it and he turned it around and made it good. Now, I believe God is about to take a lot of this negative stuff that's been happening and going to start turning it for his good. In 2012, the Lord gave me one word. And it was acceleration. And I put that in my newsletter that everything would begin to accelerate, which it did. But I was, I told Steve, I've been too negative about certain things. When God gives me a word, I emphasize it and I take it all to the negative way. And of course, there has been much negativity. Obama has gone crazy. We have same sex marriage. We have transgenderism now. Everything has accelerated. But then I was in prayer, and and uh, and uh, and then I got rebuked on top of that, and and the Lord said, "Look at your life, look at your ministry, look what I've done for you in the last several years, how your ministry has accelerated." 
And I said, well, well, Lord, you're right. And then Obama says, well, I'm, I'm going to open the doors back up to Cuba. And I was having dinner with uh, some brethren, missionaries. One was from South Korea. The other one was from Japan. And they were talking about getting into Cuba and ministering to all these people who've never been ministered to in the last 50, 60 years. And the Lord rebuked me sitting there eating dinner. He said, don't think I am not in control of everything. You know, you're lambasting Obama because he's doing this, but I'm going to get the gospel in there, and these people are going to hear the true word of God. And so I, I got my fanny whipped that night, sitting there listening to these two foreign missionaries talk about now the opportunity to get the gospel in Cuba. And uh, I'm sitting there and getting my butt whooped while I'm trying to eat dinner, and the Lord's just chastening me to no end. And I said, Lord, I, I will begin to look at things in a different context. But I want to share a couple of verses from Obadiah, and I want to show you how they are a literal um, translation or uh, re uh, repeating of what Jeremiah said. In Obadiah, beginning at verse 1, I'm going to drop down, Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. Obama thinks his habitation is high and lofty, and he's inaccessible. That saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, Lucifer, Thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape-gatherers had came to thee, would they not leave some grapes, or would they not left a gleaning or something? But Satan does not ever leave a gleaning. He pillages everything and destroys. Well, now you go back. To Jeremiah 49, we know how that Jeremiah 49, 50, 51 speaks of Babylon in the time of the end. And this is in Obadiah, and I, and I took this as Esau being the flesh and Jacob being the, the spiritual. And I'm, I'm applying that in today's terms. You're either going to be carnally minded or you're going to be spiritually minded. And in this January, the Lord spoke to my heart after my fast. He said, you'll either become a full-blown goat or a full-blown sheep. A sheep never turns into a goat, and a goat does not turn into a sheep. So God said, I'm tired of the middle ground. Everyone is going to go either to the left hand or to the right hand. Well, now we go back to Jeremiah 49, and it's almost word for word. Look at verse 14 at the bottom of that last phrase in verse 14, Jeremiah 49. Gather ye together, and come against her, and rise up to the battle. That's word for word. For lo, I will make thee small among the heathen and despised among men. The terribleness, thy terribleness hath deceived thee, and the pride of thine heart, O thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, that holdest the height of the hill, though thou shouldest make thy nest as high as the eagle, I will bring thee down from thence, saith the Lord. Also Edom shall be a desolation. Everyone that goeth by it shall be astonished, 
and shall hiss at all the plagues thereof. And that brings me to thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Everything that these people have been doing, they think they're going to do this and be totally unscathed and that there's not going to be any repercussions or anything of that nature. But God says, wait just a minute. I am going to adjudicate every matter, and I'm going to turn the tables. Now, after I was reading that this morning, I got on my knees and I began to pray. And I'd been praying 15 or 20 minutes, and I hear the word ignition. Ignition. And I thought, wow. So I kept on praying, and I finished up. And I sat back down here at my desk, and I began to ponder the word ignition. And the most renowned phrase that I can relate to the word ignition is NASA. Three, two, one, we have ignition. And now it can't be stopped. Lift off. Man, those engines, the thrust, the power is phenomenal. I felt like God was trying to tell me something has been ignited. The ignition, the explosion, the combustion in a in a in an engine in the in the chamber, the piston, the, the spark plug, the combustion, the ignition has taken place. Now I've been praying for weeks, and Steve is very well familiar because he wants to pray imprecatory prayers all the time. <laughs> I don't say that to, to be ugly, but I know Steve wants God to, to jack them up, like we say down here in the South. Well, I've been reluctant to pray imprecatory prayers, but I have started praying, God, stop allowing the wicked to rule over us. Bring them down. Because, you know, Proverbs 29, to you've heard me quote it, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Now, today, Obama, as he was attacking Trump, he's getting edgy. He's getting angry. He's getting vehement. God has ignited something. And I'm, and I'm praying that God will suffer him to reveal himself. You see, a, a, a fool in his folly is an idiot. And I can hear Valerie Jarrett telling Obama every day, you're the smartest, the brightest, you're, you're dealing with a bunch of lemmings. All these people are stupid, they're ignorant. You are so superior. Well, that's when you get snared, when you hear that all the time. And I'm, I'm asking, praying, and I believe God has ignited something. Has something has been ignited. There's been uh, an ignition of sorts. And, and something is going to happen. Now, it's going to be bad, and it's going to be good. And I told the Lord this time I was not going to take it all in a negative light. I'm looking for God to do some great things for his people. I'm also looking for some bad stuff, some really bad stuff to happen. But I think uh, we're, we're going to witness both good and bad at the same time. The, the boomerang effect is, 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 is verse 15. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Now, there's something about reaping and sowing that most people never grasp. You take one grain of corn and you put it in the ground 
and there will come up a stalk with two, three, sometimes as many as four ears of corn, and you have hundreds of kernels of corn on each corn cob. But you only sowed one seed, so you always reap more than what you sow. I want everybody to understand that tonight. You always reap more than what you sow. That's the law of retroprocity. Uh, there's a verse in John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That's what I'm talking about here. Jesus made it very clear. Except a corn of wheat, one, a corn or a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. You can look at five grains of corn in your hand, and each grain, if you plant it, and it, each one produces and comes up, there will be five stalks of corn. So it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, we the righteous, we have labored, we have prayed, we have declared the word of God, we have fasted, we have earnestly sought God. We, I believe, are about to reap a harvest. And the harvest is always greater than what you sowed. And I want to encourage you tonight, everyone listening tonight, those of you who have been faithful, you've been faithful in your prayer life, you've been faithful in your giving, you've been faithful in your study of the Word of God, you have cried out to God. There are tens of thousands, millions of people who have no platform, such as the Hagman and Hagman. You have no platform. But you'd have the greatest platform when you have God's ear. That's the platform that you want. And every child of God has a platform with God. How can I say that? Because David said in Psalms 34:15, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are opened unto their cries. You have the greatest platform in the world when you get on your knees. God Almighty lends His ear. He lends His hearing to your voice. And He hears the most feeble, frail, 90-year-old grandmother when she gets on her knees, or maybe she can't even get on her knees because if she gets on her knees, she can't get up. So maybe she just sits there in the living room in her chair, and she meditates, and she talks to God over and over and over and relentlessly she speaks to God she's frail her fragility, her fragility begs description but she still calls out on God let me tell you that is not going unreward God is bottling up the prayers he's bottling up the tears and he's going to pour them back out during the great tribulation period but I believe those of us who have been faithful to the Lord we're getting ready to enter into a time of harvest. And listen, that's when the hardest work is. Because there's only so much time to get the harvest in. If you don't get out there and get it done, you'll lose it. <clears throat> you, you, have, you have this massive harvest. And that, that's, that's when the real 
pressure and the real push is made on at harvest time. We've we got to go get it now. If we don't, we'll lose the crops. We'll lose it for different reasons. It'll wither. It'll die on the vine. Uh, storms may come. Winds may blow. Uh, many things can happen. Uh, but you, you have that parenthetical time when you get to reap the harvest. And, and, and we're getting ready, I believe, to reap because we have been faithful. And so, as we have done, the boomerang effect, thy reward shall return upon thine own head. What we have sown, we're going to be rewarded. That's why Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Paul said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I saw a picture of George Soros the other day. I mean, you talk about a sickly-looking human being who is so wealthy. But Jesus said, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I mean, the man it looks like death warmed over. He looks like he's on the precipice of death. And he's, if he doesn't repent, he will die lost without God. And, and, I, and I'm watching all of these people, from Bill Clinton to, to, to Hillary Clinton to Obama to Valerie Jarrett, these people are deceived and they think they're getting by. I, I watched all of these women the other day stand behind Hillary Clinton, clapping and lauding her and stoling her as, as some majestic deity, some goddess. And the scripture that came to my mind was Second Timothy 3.13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. She's deceiving people, and she's also being deceived. Because she doesn't believe there's coming a day of accountability. But listen, and I'm going to give it to Steve because I've been long-winded. Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. That is such a profound Bible verse. It literally begs description. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. That's a little g. I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. God said to Moses, Moses, Pharaohs, all the Pharaohs thought they were deity. God said, Moses, Pharaoh thinks he's God, or a God. I'm going to make you a God in his eyes. And this is the this is this is why we have we, we we can never lose hope because God is sovereign over every little thing, even down to a grain of sand. If it took one more grain of sand to cause the earth to tilt off its axis, God can move that one grain of sand. That's how I, I, that's all it takes is the hand of God. And, and, and so my point is, Pharaoh thought he was contending with a man that was a god, but no. He wasn't contending with a man. He was contending with Elohim, Jehovah Nissi. He was contending with God Almighty. And God said, Moses, I'm going to make him think you're a God. Now that's frightening. That, 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 that should make your hair stand on the back of your neck. That God can do such things. And yet he's the one that's in control of everything. And so these people are deceived. And, and I know it's bad. I know it looks bad. And, and, and it looks hopeless. And it looks helpless. But I never lose hope because God is still on His throne. 
And I, w- I want to encourage you tonight. Something has been ignited. There has been some type of ignition. But don't worry. God can steer this thing just like he wants it, just like Joseph said to his brethren. You meant all of this for evil, but God, he meant it for good. So, so don't get discouraged. Don't get beleaguered. Don't give up. Keep your focus on the Lord. He'll make a way, I promise you. Steve, I'm going to give it to you, sir. Thank you, uh, David. And ladies and gentlemen, I asked David to take all the time necessary to lay this out because it's critical. Now, the reason that the Mandela effect and all of these other terms are coming basically out of people's ignorance and not understanding the very basis of time and eternity, and that's for another show, the issues that stand before us today is the same thing. Who do you say that I am, Peter? Or who do they say that I am, Peter? When Jesus addressed Peter concerning just who is this man that stands before you? And I want to go through a couple scriptures. I'll probably have to take the second hour to get into what I would call the opening of the gates, the change in universes, our ability to perceive, our ability to see. Uh, Basically, all that we in the human brain uh, see as a continuous flow of events are actually a bunch of individual uh, 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 single photographs that the brain is taking at a very high rate. And the brain in its creative uh, genius that God gave us is putting it all together. It's just like a CCD, that's a charge couple device, an array in a digital camera. You can take a digital camera photo, and I do it all the time, and I blow it up, and I get to the point where I can see every single pixel, and that's what's called a picture element. But at the end of the day, everything I'm looking at is just the way the light is basically being uh, captured and portrayed through the primary colors of red, blue, and green. But the fascinating part about this is David and Doug and Joe, again, the other day in the shower, instantly had an understanding. I'm dealing with time and eternity in a different way than most people, I believe, have, have dealt with it. Not that others haven't thought this out. I'm not saying whoopee. But I understand now how when we stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, that's for Christians. It's not based on heaven or hell. That's the great white throne judgment. But how how effective have we been? How In essence, what was the motive for everything we've done? How in an instant, every single one of those uh, images flashed before our eyes, and God instantly, through the power of the Almighty, uh, shows us and shows the reward of the righteous and the lack of a reward for the unfaithful. I'm not talking about Christians that aren't going to heaven, because obviously by the very name, if you're a Christian, a Bible-believing, washed-in-the-blood Christian, you're going to heaven. So, in the shower the other day, I just got this understanding. Now, obviously, I'm a photographer, and obviously, I know about this stuff. And I kept going over in my mind, I want higher resolution, Lord. I want higher resolution. And as the pixels become finer, the individual pictures, if you will, within the overall scene, as every image you see, if you just look at whatever you're looking at right now before you, imagine a thousand images, imagine your brain instantaneously translating every single, let's say, item on your wall, on 
on your desk, uh, uh, in your living room, instantly that's all being recorded, and it's being recorded for the record in your DNA, not just in your uh, brain. It's, it's a fascinating concept, so fascinating that that's why they're trying to rewrite people's DNA and change that. So this is something that's really heavy on my heart because I know this, and I'll, I'll propose this to you. This is, you'll understand why this is relevant tonight. What we see, David just shared with you how the Lord corrected the picture he saw in, in, in the context of the end times. The minute David shared that with me, guess who got convicted? I also did. Because in essence, having to have uh, done what I've done and, and um, see what I've seen and been shown in advance what I've seen, and you heard Tom Horn talk about his calling in the Lord, being caught up to heaven, and then asking the Lord to not let him forget, and then obviously God God says you're not going to remember a thing until it's time, pretty much. And then Tom's miraculous and marvelous calling on his life and what's resulted from that. And again, the thing that's uh, astonishing to me, Pastor Doug and Joe, is the very fact that God has put in our hearts, if we love him, to fulfill our will. That's why he gives us images. A dream and, and a vision is a, a series of images flowing in the context of God revealed understanding if the dream or vision is from him. You know, obviously if you're uh, taking some type of a hallucinogenic drug or some mind-controlling drug or anything like that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that God has placed within their, his, their hearts who love him, that which they will accomplish, because free will, when it aligns with the will of God, is infinite, and it's also redemptive. And when I was talking to David uh, yesterday and today, and a little bit to Doug in the morning, the thing that's interesting to me when people are dealing with the Mandela effect, which is nothing more than collective memories being shared or put into someone's mind by mind control. The, those of you who don't understand the level of shared memories and mind control, this is how the great deception is going to play out before us. Whether it's all the individual images of aliens, flying saucers, all the science fiction movies, all that stuff registered, it registers in your spirit. Also, the ability of the cell phone towers, which are not cell phone towers at all. The Gwen Towers, now don't get me wrong, yes they have cell phone antenna and they have some amplification, but there's a far more insidious purpose to the electromagnetic thought control. Everything David, Doug, and Joe, and others who are listening into this uh, show tonight must understand that you cannot even look at Drudge or the London Daily Mail on a, just every day they're talking about Defense Advanced Research uh, Project Agency, DARPA, Everyone's trying to read your thoughts, trying to put your thoughts in and put thoughts into your mind, and that's exactly how the devil works. So in order to have redemption, we need to put on the helmet of salvation. The people that are coming up and, and sending David voluminous emails, me voluminous emails, and and um, and Doug and and Joe. I'm sure you're getting them too. Everybody who's getting them. These people do not know the power of God and do not know the God in whom they claim to believe. That's not an arrogant. That's not a judgment call. It is this. There is no way you can figure out God. The only way that 
that God has made himself known beyond creation, beyond all that you see that boggles your mind, is through his word and through the revelation of the prophets and through writing his laws upon our heart. So the greatness, the majesty, the magnitude, the awesomeness, the wow, the wonder, the splendor, the absolute uh, cellular excitement that screams glory to God in the highest. Thank you, Jesus. It, it's like all creation groans, cries out for the manifestation of the sons of God because they know at the time. Look, I believe somebody said you're dumber than a box of rocks. I said, well, there's some, some smart rocks out there. Science has proven when I speak a word, when you speak a word, they all have some effect. And even to the point of molecularly affecting the surface area in which they come into contact with. Didn't Jesus say if the people held their peace, Pastor, didn't he say that, uh, that the, what, the stones would cry out? Absolutely. So how do stones cry out? It's this, it's this. It's the harmonic voice of praise to the King of Kings. Now, why am I saying all this? Having spent 25 years in, in, in the realm of writing, researching, uh, talking, interviewing, uh, uh, being taught by people who live in a world and realm that most people don't know exists, that's not to flatter me. It's to say I could not know it. I make this claim all the time. Some people say, well, you sound like you're really smart. Or the others say, you think you know everything. I said, I don't know anything, but I certainly know a lot of people. First and foremost, I know Jesus Christ. And second of all, I know he knows me. And I call him my beloved, and he calls me his friend. And that is the most mind-blowing thing in the universe. When you look at everything around you, uh, if you go to the tallest mountains in the world, the deepest seas, when you go into any uh, a fragrant garden, and you smell the very essence of creation. Even smell, by the way, is an electromagnetic emanation. What am I saying here? I'm saying that God is so great and greater, and as the scripture says, the psalmist says, greatly to be praised. Now, that's what is going to happen when the king comes into his kingdom, before all hell breaks loose, or David, as you guys in North Carolina say it, and I love it, hail, you know, by the way, hail, H-A-I-L, is breaking loose, as well as H-E-L-L is breaking loose. There seems to be a correlation there, and I'm not trying to be cute or clever, it just is interesting to me. So as we're talking about this, remember this, ladies and gentlemen, everything that you're seeing in the scientific realm, everything I wrote in the book Xenogenesis and Genetic Armageddon prior to that, and that was like 15 years ago, people laughed, they mocked, they scorned, they, you know, they, they just ridiculed, everything they could do to take away, but it hasn't changed the fact that they're even talking. I'm getting emails today, David, and I know we only got a minute before we go to the break, but emails today from people saying, can they genetically alter my DNA? so that they'll make me deny Jesus, that's the goal. But God said in his word, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All who call upon. That's why tonight there are people, and I told Doug this, I said, Doug, tonight people are going to make choices for eternity one way or the other. Let's go to the break, guys. With that, we are at the top of the hour break. Folks, you're listening to Pastor David Langford and Steve Quayle. Pastor Langford's site, the voice of evangelism, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. We'll be right back after these short messages. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
you may never city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition, this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. What a, what a great first hour we had with uh, Pastor David Langford and Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. I just want to make a, a couple of announcements very quickly. Don't uh, Well, folks, you don't know this, but uh, Steve Quayle is going to be on Coast to Coast AM tonight. So those people working third shift or uh, working late uh, or just uh, interested in uh, Steve Quayle, and I always love to hear Steve uh, talk about various topics. He's going to be on Coast to Coast AM tonight with George Norrie, so definitely tune in there. Uh, also, uh, as Pastor Langford mentioned, Pastor Langford, Steve Quayle, Gary Haven, and Tom Horn will be appearing at uh, in Branson or near Branson, Jim Baker, on uh, August 19th. 20th and 21st. Now, check the Jim Baker website for information, but there's uh, attendance is limited to about a thousand. And uh, just from our audience alone, we should be able to fill that up in about, oh, a half a day. I, I, I do suspect that to be the case. And what a blessing it would be to be there and to be in the audience and to listen to, to uh, all four gentlemen and, of course, Mr. Baker and others. So th- th- just keep checking the website uh, uh, from Jim Baker and also uh, mark your calendars, August 18th, or I'm sorry, August 19th, 20th, and 21st times and other information to be announced on the Jim Baker website. Now, tonight we're talking about a, a number of things. Before we get back to Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle, just want to just want to mention, of course, uh, portions of this broadcast brought to you by Minuteman Rocket Stove. You know, we're facing a lot of potentials here in an emergency, whether it's economic collapse, war, EMP, natural disaster. Regardless, you can expect that utilities will be out cooking. You know, you, you might have a ton of food, uh, uh, long-term storable food. How are you going to cook it? Well, they make it very easy. Minuteman 
they've got the solution. It's a Miniman rocket stove. It's small, portable, wood-burning cooking stove that weighs just 14 pounds. Yeah, we had uh, Mr. Lane Miller on uh, initially when he joined us as a partner uh, on our radio show, and he talked about how the... Excuse me. How the natural means of of building a fire in the wilderness to cook food. Mm-hmm. How uh, how much more energy and wood is needed. That's right. Um, to where you know the amount of of wood you would need for a uh, a natural fire out in the wilderness to cook. Uh, you know you can use this Minuteman stove with that amount of wood. You know ten to twenty times I would imagine. Uh, and it's not just for end of the world type emergencies. Imagine a, a Katrina scenario, San, uh, Hurricane Sandy, uh, a flooding like we've seen in Texas recently, right. uh, power going out, you know, for days on end. This Visits, is a uh, very handy de- uh, a device. It's right. very well manufactured, made in the USA. Yeah, you could be with a sledgehammer almost, and, and it, would, it would just survive. The quality is uh, top shelf. MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. And the fire strikers yes. that come with it are, are worth the, the price, I'd say, on their own. Absolutely. Very much. Uh, so MinutemanStove.com. Make sure you mention Hagman Report or Hagman and Hagman Report when you do so. Uh, now, before the uh, before the break, uh, uh, both Steve, well, Steve was talking about uh, a number of things as well as, as was uh, Pastor Langford. But, you know, we are getting so many emails about, well, the Mandela Effect, okay? The Mandela Effect, folks. Now, you've heard that term, you've yeah. heard that phrase tossed around. There's some people that say they invented it, you know, just in the last year right. or two. Um, it's been around for a while. Uh, people a, refer to it as the Mandela effect because of uh, Nelson Mandela uh, of reportedly being dead numerous right. occasions, uh, only to be uh, dead in 2013, and they had a big funeral for it. And, and many people said, you know, this happened a long time ago. And, and other incidents like the Berenstein Bears and biblical references like Pastor Langford covered in the first hour have been coming up uh, recently and, and been pointed out. And I want to thank you, Pastor Langford, for uh, your scriptural knowledge and being able to at least uh, go over some of these claims of the Mandela Effect in the Bible because it is more of a psychological issue than most people are willing to admit. I, I believe, and just very quickly here, I, I do believe that there is manipulation in uh, neuro-linguistic oh, and mind control programming being uh, employed, and as Steve mentioned, uh, with the uh, with the uh, uh, harmonic frequencies and, and, and towers and what have you, but the, just specifically Mandela Effect, merely a theory put forth by a writer and, and a paranormal consultant, Fiora, a broom, really an occultist that shared. Basically, she said the false memories are in fact glimpses into parallel universes with different timelines, and that's kind of what and it is. If people are familiar with the Illuminati cards. There is allegedly a Mandela effect right. card yeah. now in this Illuminati cards. That wasn't Folks, you know how many times that uh, those cards have have cr- uh, been created after certain events to make it appear as though they were on the cards originally? Yes. Just, so just be aware yeah. of that. So, Steve, we're going to toss it back to you, sir. Let's get into this and uh, let's let's uh, let's get some truth behind what we're or some factual basis of of this. 
I think that God is so making it plain, the battle between good and evil. Now, I want to, I wrote this, so I'm reading my own writing to try and keep this consistent on the Mandela effect, because here's what I said. Someone said, is this truth? It's, it's very profound. I've had some of the smartest guys I know say, Steve, it's real. It's real. You've got to believe this. Well, they move out of the category of the smartest guys I know, because they haven't done their homework on MK. That is obviously Mary uh, Kilo or Mike Kilo, MK, M as in Mary, K as in Kilo, Ultra. Do your homework, okay? The Mandela effect, and this is what I wrote, is based on science fiction, was that multiple people were having shared visions of Mandela's life ending before he died, which, by the way, he went on to live after that. Collective memories, that's what they were calling it, and in essence, they tapped into the universal time stream of truth, except truth, when it isn't true, is a lie. I believe the Mandela effect to be total deception. Note the one who first defined it was a woman who attended a convention called Dragon Con. It's about false memories, which is an offshoot of the mind control MK Ultra experiments. Alternate histories and shared memories, which are being intentionally broadcast to change our perception of what's real and what's not. Let me just call this. It, it, it's the parting of rational, reasonable, cognitive thinking and putting it into a virtual dissonance. Now listen, this is important. A virtual devil's mental playground. Mel Mandela didn't die in prison, and obviously these collective memories were false. The U.S. military and intelligence agencies are spending vast amounts of money, money excuse me, to program the brain and to be able to both read your thoughts and control them and or in plant them. Notice they are centered around fiction, like the Berenstein Bears and Star Trek episodes. The Mandela effect, know your mean. Now, and then I quoted the scripture, for many will depart from the faith, giving heed to, to seducing spirits, which is at the core of this whole issue. Now, let me give you an example of the mass shooting that happened in Orlando. First of all, it happened at the uh, gay club, I guess, uh, whatever, nightclub, called Pulse. And what's an interesting statement, immediately on the, excuse me, the idea of Pulse, the July 16th getting together of evangelical Christians and uh, the Catholics to bury the hatchet between their differences is going to take place at the Washington Monument with the Pope making a photographic appearance on a giant screen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is significant to talk about what they have in common with Jesus. Well, there's one problem with that. The Pope has done more. Now, I'm not anti-Catholic. Please don't take offense. Hear me out. Two of my best friends in the world are Catholic, and I love them, and I know they love Jesus, okay? But the point is, is that the Pope is denigrating the name of Jesus Christ. Everything he says about all roads leading to heaven is a direct uh, affront to the Word of God. And so what we have right now is we have deceived Christians believing that unity by agreement is the same thing as unity by faith. There is only one unity. It's the unity in the Spirit. And this is what's really troubling to me, Pastor David. Now, pulse, okay? What is a pulse? 
A pulse is basically a measurement of your heartbeat, the pumping of your heart, the blood going out to your extremities and coming back to the extremities. We know that when a person does not have a pulse, it's a sign they're usually in cardiac arrest and are on their way of dying, but on their way to dying. Uh, when you shock them back uh, through a defibrillator, uh, you can sometimes start the heart and the pulse begins to move. But I thought it was interesting, Doug, Joe, and Pastor David, because the timing of the event, the announcement of the event in July, this gathering of a million Christians, and some of these people, how, for instance, uh, Josh McDowell, when I was first saved, I read all his books, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, More Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and quite a bit of the writings, and some of these guys, Robbie Zacharias and others, are being taken into this. Now, do I believe this thing in Washington, D.C. is good or bad? I believe it's totally wrong. I believe it is a spirit of the age deceiving those who will be there to embrace the one-world government, but more importantly, a one-world religion, and have a giant group hug for Satan. How's that for being blunt? Now, let me give you another example. It's fascinating to me that the spirit of death and the hate of Christians is increasing dramatically. Why aren't those million people? and the Pope addressing the slaughter of Christians who are their brethren. We're taught in the scripture. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. But they don't do it. They don't at all. Now listen, this is important too, and then I'm going to turn it right back over to David. The singer, Christina Grimmie, she was murdered the day before the club shooting. And we saw amazing contrast that's not being talked about at all. As the, and I'm reading this. As the killer approaches, this is written by Michael, my friend, supposedly for an autograph, she opened her arms to give him a hug. Instead, he took out a gun and shot her three times. Now, understand, shot her three times. It's a sign. The Lord opens his arms for salvation. They hate it. So the next day after that kind of act, uh, that kind act was met with violence, we see violence at the Pulse nightclub. Then we see a hole made in the wall, and out come all the sodomites and, and, and the killer with them, meaning the guy that uh, is being blamed. Let me tell you what I know on that, Doug. Let me just intersperse this. Yesterday I was on the phone with a certain friend. The friend was on his other phone, like I do this sometimes, I have a phone on my right hand and a phone on my left ear, and I say, hold on, hold on, and he was giving him an eyewitness of the carnage that took place. There were multiple shooters, there was an, a suicide bomb belt that blew off, and the man's, the, now we're talking about law enforcement actively on the scene, going through all the blood and gore, he said, I'm a battle-hardened soldier, and I've never seen such carnage. And he was weeping as he was talking to my friend, okay, weeping. That's not the story you're getting. Listen, any of us who have been around firearms and everybody listening to this show probably has at one time. You do not take a two twenty three, which is a um, AR-15 caliber. It's a semi-automatic rifle. It's not a machine gun. And you don't blow holes in walls or blow people's heads up. You don't think I know what I'm talking about. Go on YouTube and look up two twenty three wound W-O-U-N-D channel. The whole story and narrative is false. They are vilifying the gun. Notice this. It wasn't that, that the 52 people were slaughtered. Oh, that's secondary. It's we got to take those guns. Now, listen, according to everybody I've talked to, and I've, I've talked to federal law enforcement, military guys, uh, uh, ex 
excuse me, retired military guys and retired cops. They're all saying the same thing. Now, I believe there's two forms of false flag. The theatrical, which is absolutely uh, not real, but staged to look like real, Sandy Hook. And then I believe there's these type events where people really die, but they're all staged to bring about the desired end result. The desired end result, make no mistake about it, is to take away the guns. Not one time in the seven years of the, uh, uh, what do I call the guy, the entity's rule and reign of terror, has any terrorist camp in this country, Islamic terror camp, and I'm not talking about Muslims, I'm talking about Islamic self-professed terror camps, been raided at no time to my knowledge outside of the setups that were handled by the powers that be to stage this was anything handled. Not one time have the words been uh, talked about about disarming the gangs. On the contrary, we see the release of the most hardened murderous criminals. We're seeing the release of everything and everyone that basically is is a misanthrope that hates this country released. Now, why would anybody do that? Ladies and gentlemen, you do not understand it. I believe the majority, judging from my email, judging from all the uh, nonsensical postings on different websites, don't get it. The United States is being overwhelmed just by a total communist, Islamo-fascist, communist, Islamo-fascist, the words aren't contrary to each other, takeover from within. The barbarians are with in the gate and David right before went on the radio he said Steve the pulse America's vital signs are dying I believe the heartbeat of America was seen and God bless her Christina Grimmie and, and when I was praying this morning I ponder I talk to the Lord all the time and then I shut up in the shower and listen but the thing is notice Christina you know Christina C-H-I-S-T Christina Christian those are all derivations of the word Christian and isn't it amazing that the picture if you will the metaphor of a woman of God by the way you read her blog that lady loved Jesus that young woman loved Jesus and she's the first martyr that has openly embraced such evil to be killed three times and by the way I'm not just making this up the guy killed her because she was a Christian he killed her exactly. because he was a Christian. Exactly. And I want to share something. Uh, Doug, I want to get on next week, if we can, Sig Swanstrom, who wrote a book, and I want everybody to get this book, God, Guns, and Guts of Firearm Defense. Nothing makes me more furious. God, I wish someone could have been there to stop it. God, Lord, and I'm praying right now when I'm saying it. I'm not taking the name of the Lord, my God, whom I love in vain. But the bottom line is, is that what's happening Christians are being targeted for a execution and destruction and Jesus himself said if he didn't shorten the days for the elect's sake there'd be no flesh left alive what is this virtual world of damnation what is this heresy of psychobabble what is this uh, vicious vermin virtual world doing it's all being controlled by the highest forms of supernatural wickedness and evil the universe has ever known. The pulse of the nation is dying. 
our vital signs, our vitality, that means the very life of us is gone. And there are some whose life still remains. But David, if I hear one more person, you know me, say, we need a revival. Brother Quayle, I believe you're crazy. I believe God's going to give a revival. You can't have a revival of the dead. You must have a resurrection before you can have revival. And what's the resurrection? What's the difference between resurrection? That which is dead is brought back to life. In a revival, that which is alive is strengthened and renewed. I tell you this, cadavers do not make good preachers, apostles, evangelists, teachers. They must first be brought alive. And so I'm going to turn it back over to you, David. And I want to recommend everybody that they go to www, it's free, custance.org. I want to spell it out. C-U-S. T-A-N-C-E dot org and download and it's it's wonderful the the essays he wrote brilliant man probably one of the most brilliant men I believe I've ever studied my entire life and I, you know I've studied smart guys Custance.org on time and eternity time and eternity because we're talking tonight Pastor David Langford about the eternal ramifications to the choices people make as to what they believe and the basis of truth Truth is not a, a, a mental concept. Truth is the person of Jesus Christ. Wisdom is in Proverbs 8. Substitute the word wisdom for I, Jesus, meaning Jesus himself. Paul said Jesus Christ has made the wisdom of God to us. That means us who believe. And so what we're sharing tonight is the call to get into the place of the secret place of the Most High God, Psalm 91. It won't do you any good to claim it at the last... Uh, uh, point of deception. And again, I pray tonight, David, I pray tonight, Doug and Joe, and I pray that all you intercessors will be praying that people who can be, how should I say this, awakened by the Spirit of God and brought to that place of repentance will give their hearts to Jesus because there are people that are just waiting. And if it wasn't for the hand of God protecting all of us, we'd all be wiped out in a fortnight. Yet God is going to raise up an army. God is going to have a people. And if it's 300 as Gideon was uh, led to deliver Israel, so be it. I don't know the numbers. The numbers aren't important to me. The heart is. Go ahead, Pastor. Pastor, uh, and Steve, before let me just interject something because you were talking about, of course, the pulse, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 uh, mass murder there. I just want to interject this: just as much as Obama and others are not blaming the perpetrator, the mass murderer, this, uh, frankly, a homosexual implicated murderer, uh, who, from a behavioral analysis perspective. Uh, profile, if you will, uh, was sexually abused, most likely by a close fa- family member, thinking perhaps his father. This is my thoughts now. Um, but just as Obama is refusing and others are refusing to blame the actor, the perpetrator, and the ideology of, of, of Islam, because Islam and homosexuality cannot coexist, Islam cannot coexist in any uh, uh, free society. I just want to point this out, that as we speak right now, there is uh, a push by um, the the uh, um, I'm sorry, but but by the American Civil Liberties Union, the to shut our programs down. This program down. Chase Strangio, a staff attorney at ACLU, is saying that the Christian right is partly to blame for the slaughter by passing various anti-LGBT 
uh, bills. Yeah, the Washington Times yes. right now has the headline, LGBT activists blame Christians for Orlando attack. Yes, so I guess I just wanted to, to break in to say this, to, uh, to uh, in addition to what Steve said, in, in anticipation of what, what Pastor Langford is going to say, folks, Christianity... Those people who are following the, the word of God, um, you know, we need to man up. The, the men listening to this broadcast, we need to play our positions. We need to man up. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a minister. I'm in the scheme of things. I'm nobody, and Joe's nobody. We're just people just sitting here doing a job. But the uh, bottom line is, we need to man up, and we need to fight for our faith. This is not a passive sport. We're not watching a football game. We better get in the game and fight for our Christian heritage, our Christian um, um, beliefs and ideology, and uh, the future of our our uh, our faith, and that's all I wanted to say, Pastor. Uh, you, you know what is so astounding about all of this is this is what we have for a president. You've heard me say this numerous times. He is genetically divided. His DNA. He's half black. He's half white. He has literally divided this nation. Now this is what. Uh, Omar Mateen, he is divided in that he is, quote, Muslim, but he's demon-possessed with sodomy. So he is divided in his spirit. So that, that like Paul said, that, that I would not, that I do. In other words, this dichotomy is in him, and so he, he knows his religion, which, is, of course, is a seducing spirit, is telling him you can't be this way but yet the other part of his nature he wants to be this way because of the the entity that dwells within him and so there's a conflict so I think he was venting his own hatred in himself to destroy that that was destroying him he was he was literally divided in his mind and uh, uh, that's why I think Obama is getting uh, What's the word am I looking for? He's getting antsy. Anxiety is, is somehow taking over his life, and he's becoming more irritable. Uh, if you don't think God will suffer demonic spirits to make you irritable, go back and study the life of Saul, the first king of Israel. Uh, uh, the Spirit of God left him, and an evil spirit came upon him and in him. And and, and and it drove him to do things which he know he knew were absolutely wrong. And uh I want to share from the Old Testament uh in Second Kings chapter eight. Second Kings chapter eight. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn there because people don't believe they will do some of the things they will do. Because that's why deception is, is Satan's greatest tool. Uh, Satan's greatest tool is not uh, a particular religion or a, a weapon of mass destruction. It's deception. Uh, Islam is a deception. It's a deceptive religion. Uh, Christianity does not preach hate. Christianity does not preach murder and kill the infidels. Islam says, run over the infidel or the Zionist with your F-150 truck. I mean, just kill them. Well, that, that's what they're doing. See? And Omar is flourishing Islam and forcibly, powerfully, because the highest office in the land is 
held by a Muslim. Now, people don't believe they'll do or capable of doing certain things, but man is a beast without God. He will do anything that his father, the devil, tells him to do. And that brings me here to Second Kings chapter 8, beginning at verse 7. And Elisha came to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick. And it was told him, saying, The man of God is come hither. And the king said unto Haziel, Take a present in thine hand, and go, meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover of this disease or this malady that's in my body? So Haziel went to meet him and took a present with him, even of every good thing of Damascus, forty camels, burden, and came and stood before him and said, Thy son, Benadad, king of Syria, hath sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? And Elisha said unto him, Go, say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover. Howbeit, the Lord has showed me that he shall surely die. Now what a contradiction of terms in the same phrase. And he settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed. And the man of God wept. And Haziel said, Why weepest, my Lord? And he answered, Because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds wilt thou set on fire, and their young men wilt thou slay with the sword, and wilt dash their children, and rip up the women with child. In other words, lay open their wombs. And Haziel said, But what? Is thy servant a dog, that he should do this great thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord has showed me that thou shalt be king over Israel. So he departed from Elisha and came to his master, who said to him, What said Elisha to thee? And he answered, He told me that thou shouldest surely recover. And it came to pass on the morrow that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water and spread it on his face so that he died and Haziel reigned in his stead. That was your first permanent waterboarding and taking literally a man's life. But what was so profound about that, Haziel could not believe he was capable of doing such a thing, for he said to Elisha, Is thy servant a dog that I should do this great thing which was set on fire the strongholds of Israel and slay the young men with the sword and dash their children throw them up off cliffs on rocks and rip up the women and their wombs with children he couldn't believe it he said am I a dog that I should do this great thing Elisha said the Lord has showed me that thou shalt be king over Israel and, and, and so he goes back and he tells the king, Elisha told me that thou shouldest surely recover. In other words, you should recover. You would recover. 
But the truth is, I'm going to murder you. Because the man of God said, Thou mayest certainly recover, but the Lord has showed me he shall surely die. Because you're going to go back and murder the man. Now that, that shows you how evil men can become, and in their own hearts and in their own minds, they would not perceive they would do such a thing. And so the next day, he obviously took a very heavy piece of, of it says a thick cloth, a very piece of thick cloth, and, and dipped it in water, and then he took it and put it over the king's face and suffocated him to death. And he, and he reigned, and he did those things which Elisha said he would do. Now, as Solomon well said, there was nothing new under the sun. And so you're witnessing satanic powers. And, 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 and as, as the Lord put that one little word in my heart this morning, ignition. God allows things to be ignited because things come to a point in time. There's a verse in the Bible in Psalms 119, verse 126. It is time for thee, O Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law or thy word. There comes a time when God has to go to work. Now, I don't say that in, 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 a, in a demeaning or demanding way of God. God is sovereign. My next breath comes from God. He knows my heart. But I'm beginning to pray that prayer. God, it's time for you to go to work. We've been under such hard taskmasters. We, we have witnessed. And you know what is so bad about this? Now, I, I know our election process is, is corrupt. Uh, we, re we really don't have anything to vote for. But think about all the people that emphatically declare they're Christians and they stand for the sins of this nation. You know, they stand for abortion. They stand for gay rights. They stand for transgenderism. And they say, but I'm a Christian. You know, I don't have, and I don't hate the people. You know, I, I, I said yesterday, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Folks, if you live in sin and you die in sin, you're eternally separated from God. Now, you see, the very fact these people were in a house of sin, you, they kept talking about going to the bathrooms, the bathrooms. What is so significant about those bathrooms at a gay bar? I think you understand the very significance of those bathrooms in a gay bar. I go to a restaurant, those bathrooms to me are for one purpose, to use the urinal or wash my hands, and that's the, that's the extent of it. To these people, it's for something else. And so my point is, godly people will not be found in that venue because that's not their heart. That's not their lifestyle. You would never see to me. And, and there may have been some straight people there. I, I, I don't know. There could have been a, a hundred straight people there. I don't know. But straight Christian people will not go there. Now, of course, we're going to have those who are saying, well, I'm gay, but I'm a Christian. Well, that's an oxymoron. That, that's impossible. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 20, 21. I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. 
You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. You cannot put your feet at the communion table of Jesus Christ and be in right the right relationship with him and partake of communion and then go out and commit adultery or fornication. You see, something the Lord put in my heart during this teaching that I was teaching on, uh, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. You don't have to be a sodomite to be a reprobate. Paul makes that very clear in Romans chapter 1. And this is what we're witnessing with the Mandela effect or whatever the case might be. Romans 1.22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. See, they think they're smart, but Paul said in reality, they're fools. Then he said in Romans 1.25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. They glory in the creature. See? Be sodomites glory in the creature. This is why uh, homosexuals are so into trying to retain their youth and their their looks and their youthfulness because, you know, when they get older, they don't want that. But a, a married couple, as they get older, they they grow together old in grace and in love. And so that, that no longer affects them. They're, whether they're handsome and the stud muffin or she's the beauty queen, that, that, that is no longer significant, uh, play a significant role in their lives. Why? Because they have not dishonored their bodies. Their bodies have not been disgraced. And so they, for a lie, they transfer their worship to the devil. This, this, in any, any kind of sin is, satanic worship indirectly. Romans uh, John eight thirty four. He that committeth sin is the servant of sin. When you commit any act of sin, you're serving that sin. Whatever kind of sin that the sin might be drunkenness, lying, cheating, uh, uh, adultery, fornication, embezzlement, whatever it is, you, you become a slave to it. Romans 6, 14, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. See, uh, I had a state patrolman call me the other day from Mississippi. He said, you know, I love it when you made the statement, show me redemption in the Ten Commandments. That's the law. Show me redemption. And, and, you know, he said, I've used that on numerous people, because when you go through the Ten Commandments, there's nothing in there that redeems a man. It's just like the patrolman, you know, the law gives him the right to write tickets for seatbelt, speeding, reckless driving, drunk driving, whatever. But then he also must appear to defend the ticket in the court of law when that person comes into the court. And the judge, because he is the judge, can dismiss it, throw it out, or whatever the technicality, whatever he wants to do. Why can he do that? Because he's the judge and that's his court. Well, see, God is the righteous judge. Judge Genesis eighteen twenty five. Shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right? You know, I hear people say all the time, well, God does not judge. Well, that's the most asinine statement that a human being could make because that's what God is going to do in all eternity, whether we're righteous or we're unrighteous. Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 6 said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 
henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his glorious appearing. Uh, Rome, uh, Revelation 19.11 And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. He is a judge. People say, oh, God doesn't judge. Are you kidding me? He's God. And that's why he put in my spirit in January, everyone is either going to become a sheep or a goat. So that when he adjudicates, it is righteous judgment. Paul called him the righteous judge. He judges rightly. There's no bribes. There's no darkness. There's no shadow of his turning. There's nothing there that would skew God's judgment. Man's judgment is forever skewed. See, that's why I'm glad I'm not the judge. You know, people all the time ask me about suicide. And I, and I tell them, yes, suicide is wrong. God confers life. No man has the right to take his life or a baby in a womb's life. Nobody has the right to take life. Now, the, 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 the caveat is, uh, is, is God knows the state of that person's mind. They may have lost their mind, just like a Christian ends up with Alzheimer or dementia. See, I, I can't make that call. And as a, as a Christian, I can say, yes, suicide is wrong. But I've had to deal with that on several occasions as a minister. And I always tell people, if anybody can show mercy at that point in time, God can. Why? Because he's the righteous judge. The person may have lost their mind, and, and, and they really didn't know what they were doing. But when somebody leaves you a note, I, I remember my great uncle left a note. He prayed God would forgive him for what he was about to do, and he took a gun and he blew his brains out. Well, personally, I don't feel like he could find forgiveness because he's asking for forgiveness before he even commits the act. And the problem with suicide is after you commit the act, you're not on this side of eternity to repent and get forgiveness. You're already into eternity. And so that's the danger. But uh, again, my point is, God is sovereign in all the affairs of men. But but our world is becoming more and more sinful and more and more debased and more and more degraded. And this president is 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 pushing more ungodliness than anyone I've ever seen in my lifetime to the degree of transgenderism sending out an edict that you're gonna do this. And our our state governor, God bless his heart. Pat McCrory is trying to hold the line, but they're going to withhold the college funds. And if you are a ACC uh, basketball fan, you know that North Carolina has three powerful basketball teams, the University of North Carolina, UNCC, Duke University, and North Carolina State. And it's been estimated we will lose nearly a billion dollars in college money if we don't submit to this uh, transgenderism in our state. But our state has passed a bill that you can't do that. It's called House Bill Number 2. And uh, so now PayPal's not coming to Charlotte next year. The NBA's debating about whether to come bring an event to Charlotte, all because we're not adhering to the political correctness. And once you become politically correct, your conscience is seared. 
God is not concerned about biblical, I mean, uh, political correctness. He's concerned about biblical correctness. Are you right with the Word of God? This is why there's this attack on the Word. Steve said it earlier. Genesis, the first attack, half God said. And then when Doug shared all of these numbers and statistics of how much has been taken out of the King James Version, it is mind-boggling. And, and you see, this is how the devil gets you away from the truth. You see, Satan, is, his greatest tool is deception. That, that's his tool. When Jesus walked out of the temple, he sat down at the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately saying, Lord, what shall be the signs of thy coming and, and the end of the world or the end of the age? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John didn't, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke said his first words were, Take heed that no man deceive you. Because Jesus understood deception is the tool that will always get people in the worst kind of trouble. Because the problem with deception is you've been seduced. You believe you're right, but you're totally wrong. But you can't be convinced of that because you're seduced. There is a spirit that's taken over you. We all, uh, one time or another, I know as a minister, a pastor, I've witnessed it on many occasions with parishioners that have been seduced in an extramarital affair. They think they are in love with this person, and, and, and this is their, you know, this, this is going to make them forever happy. And, you know, now we're hearing that Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce, is thinking he's made a mistake. Well, sure he's made a mistake, you know. But God didn't cause him to make the mistake. Deception made the mistake. Uh, my son showed me a YouTube video the other day of a man who done the same thing. He took all the hormones and got the breast implants and everything. And now he's given his heart to God. He's gotten saved. He's got off the hormone replacement therapy and all of this stuff. And he's hoping his testimony will now affect people and say, don't do this. I was wrong. I was wrong. Don't do this. And, and and so this is this is the power and, and and the more sin. My brother said something to me the other day that was profound. Leaven, uh, Galatians five and nine. Paul said a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Leaven is totally silent. You don't hear any clanging. You don't hear any banging. You don't hear any beating. You don't hear any thrashing. You don't you don't hear nothing. But guess what? It's working. Leaven is doing its job and doing it in silence. That's why the Bible equates sin and leaven of being the same thing. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples thought he was talking about bread because he just had fed, just had fed the multitudes. But he was talking about the Pharisees and their false doctrine. But they, they of course, they couldn't get it because they didn't understand it. But he used the term, the leaven of the Pharisees. Why? Because it's working, but you can't hear it. And if, and if, you, if you walk out of the room and come by, you can see its effect, but it's gradual, but it's doing its job, putting the yeast in the dough. It'll, it'll rise. It, it, won't, it won't just, bam, rise, just like the snap of a finger, but it starts doing its work. And this is, this is what sin does in the church, in the body, in the world, in our government. It's quietly working and doing its job. And, and so when guys 
uh, like us come along and we take a stand against sin and we take a stand against these new uh, laws and guidelines and leadership, etc., we're the problem. All of a sudden, we became the problem because we say, well, you can't do that. You, you, you can't do that. You know, it, to me it would be if Obama, which his whole life is a, is a deception, but if you went up to his so-called daughters, either one of them, and took a stick and began to beat one of them, do you think he would bother to defend them? But what if somebody come along and said, you don't have a right to defend them. Only they have a right to defend themselves. You can't do that. What do you think a real father would say? I don't care what you say, I'm going to defend my daughter. Period. You understand that? I'm going to defend my son, period. You may pass a law that says I cannot, but your law is insane. Sin is insanity. Sin is crazy. The prodigal son, the Bible said, when he came to himself, or when he came to his senses, he said, what am I doing down here in the hog pen? And he's a Jew, remember. He's a Jew. He's down at the hog pen, and he's eating husk. He's eating what the pigs are eating. But you see, something spiritually happened. Something spiritually happened, and it took place in his mind. You see, he was deceived. He told his father, you give me that which rightfully belongs to me. And he left, and the Bible said he went, and he began to live a very riotous life. And he wasted all of his father's wealth. He, 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 it says he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all. See, that's what the devil, the devil will spend you and then throw you on the trash heap. When he had spent all, the Bible said, Then there rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want, or he began to be deficient, or he was falling profusely short. And it said, He joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would feign himself, but he filled his belly with the husk, that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, and the Greek says, when he came to his senses, what brought him to his senses was the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost light went off in his mind. And he said to himself, he's talking to himself now, how many hired servants does my father have? And bread enough and, and to spare to eat. And here I am perishing with hunger. And you know, I won't share the whole story, but he admits he has sinned against the Father, and he sinned against heaven. And he said, I'm, I'll just know what I'll do. I'll go back to my Father, and I'll tell my Father I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Just make me as a hired servant. But when the Father saw his, ser his son coming from afar off, he said, get the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and kill the fatted calf. We're going to eat. And we're going to be merry. For my son that was dead is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. But see, all the merriment was gone 
because of what sin did to him. Sin literally eviscerated the man's life. And so he came to his senses. And this is why you, you, you always want your conscience to be subjected to the Holy Spirit. He, he, he's what keeps you thinking right, living right, doing right. He keeps you with the right sense, the right sensibility. Once you lose that, folks, you have no idea where you will go. Once you lose that, this this kid would have never thought he'd be down eating husk like pigs. You you, you never think, well, I, I I'll never get that bad off. It, it won't get that. I'll I'll, I'll stop before. And I used to hear I used to hear people tell me that shooting dope in the world. Yeah, I'll get stopped before my children get big enough to know what I'm doing. And guess what? They never did get stopped. Then the kids grow up in a home where there's dope and there's drugs and there's alcohol and pornography, and they never got stopped. Their, their intentions were good, but the clutches and the power of sin hold them hostage, and they don't realize it. And, and the, the hold becomes stronger and stronger and stronger until they cannot be freed on their own. See, and that's that's another tool of Satan. You can quit any time you want to. You can straighten up any time you want to. I've heard it. I've heard it so many times. I can quit drinking any time I want to. I just don't want to quit. We've all heard people say that. The truth is, they can't quit. That's just an excuse to, th- to deceive themselves into thinking I'm still in control. Fact is, they've lost control. They'd like to quit, but sin is demanding. It takes your money, whatever your habit is, it takes your money relentlessly. You serve the debt. You serve the addiction. You serve whatever. It, it, sin makes a servant out of you, a slave out of you. And and that's the danger of it. And, and that's why God wants to keep us unspotted, keep us pure, keep us clean, keep us holy. You know, but Satan says, if I can just get... A cl- get a hold of you, get you in my clutches, I'll ultimately ruin and destroy you. And that's why we've got to be so careful. I know we're at the top of the hour, guys. I'm going to give it back to you, Joe and Doug. Thank you, Pastor Langford. And just a, another uh, super informative hour. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Tuesday edition with Pastor David Langford. Uh, visit his website, voiceofevangelism.com, voiceofevangelism.com. As Make well sure you as, put in the, yes, voice, the of, voice, voice of Evangelism. evangelism. As well as Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com, a site I love to check every morning, especially the alert sections. Um, and there is so much uh, good information that we are talking about on this show, uh, from the Mandela effect to what we're seeing in society today, in the culture of America, how the uh, kings of propaganda have spun the mentality of our citizens to a new low and it is affecting everybody it is affecting um, just so much and we are only seeing the beginning uh, as things will continue to get much worse we will be right back after these short messages Uh, we have one more hour to go with Steve and Pastor Langford we're getting a lot of email questions in we'll try to throw some of those in on the other side as well stay with us for hour number three right after this
This is the Global Star Radio Network. Your city or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this a final hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are so blessed to have with us, uh, well, uh, Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com. Now, uh, Steve Quayle was on with us for the first two hours. I, I guess it was, I, I should have said something here, because of his appearance tonight uh, on Coast to Coast AM. And folks, if you have a chance to listen to uh, Coast to Coast tonight with Steve Quayle, please do so. But but he had to uh, bow out for this hour, of course, in preparation for that appearance. I, I know how that is, too. Now, he's two hours, uh, well, he's an hour, uh, he's on Mountain Time as opposed to the, the, the Coast to Coast being on uh, uh, Pacific Time. So I know when, when I do Coast to Coast, uh, even if it's for two minutes at the news segment, or three minutes or five minutes, whatever it might be, you know, there's a lot of prep time and a lot of uh, lead-up to that. So for a two-hour segment, which we've done uh, together and individually on Coast to Coast, or a three-hour segment, depending on, on, on you know, the day, uh, it's just an unbelievable uh, amount of preparation. So having said that, with us now solely for this hour is Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com. He's our pastor. He is the the man, when I have biblical questions or concerns or whatever, um, you know, we take counsel uh, in those people who are extremely knowledgeable and spiritual mm-hmm. and god godlike men i mean or god godly men excuse me i know i mean see i'm gonna get emails now saying oh yeah you know, i'm already writing one yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway uh when i have uh questions about scripture and i need a fellowship to someone to talk to uh, of course i do seek out uh, pastor david langford and he's helped me so much uh go ahead Joe. before we get pa- back to pastor langford steve had to go uh as he's getting ready for his coast-to-coast appearance, but wanted us to make sure uh, to let you guys know about um, on his website, and you guys have heard Ryan Whitmer on our show, uh, of New Mana, newmana.com. 
real food, real with real nutrition. Um, they have gluten-free survival packs, um, quail packs, non-gluten-free packs, water purification, uh, exclusive to stevequail.com from New Mana. Contact Ryan Whitmer at R-Y-W-H-I-T-M-E-R at yahoo.com or call the number at newmana.com. Yeah, uh, uh, they you have the number handy there. Yeah, the number is 406-581-0182. That's 406-581-0182. Again, that's newmana.com. And before we get back to Pastor uh, Langford, I just want to mention, uh, Barons, we received your email. I was speaking with Pastor Langford during the break, and of course, uh, uh, our listener in the UK is saying, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, kids are, are baby goats. Uh, uh, got that. We understand that. Yeah. And, and, you know, here in the United States. This is and, the twisting of the English language and right, the ability for the English language to be twisted and used in ways of confusion. Right. And, and there's nothing. There's no harm meant by that. It's a southern. Actually, it's a Pastor Langford, being a, the good southern guy he is, the strong southern guy he is. He's going to have his uh, uh, Langfordisms. Well, actually, that's not like that's a southern <laughs> thing. I, I should, go ahead, Pastor. It, 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 it's just a term of endearment. I mean, you know, I know kids as far as little goats and sheep. They're so darling. They're so cute, and and that's where that comes from here in the south. Um, you know, I never understood when I was little why my grandmother would always say to my granddad, she called him daddy. And then my papa would always call my grandma mama. And, you know, they raised me from the time I was 12 till I graduated from high school. And I never understood that all those years. Well, after having four children and hearing all day long, Mama, 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 mama. I started calling my wife instead of Kim. I call her mama. I call her mama today. I don't call her by Kim. I call her mama. It's the same role works the other way. She would hear all day long, daddy, 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 daddy. And so she started calling me daddy. Then it dawned on me one day, why did my grandparents do that? Because they heard that all day long with their children calling mama and daddy, and they just carried it on, you know. Uh, because I remember it was kind of funny when our first child was born. Uh, it would really disturb my wife because I would get my oldest daughter. She was just a baby, three years old. I'd say, call your mama Kim by her first name. <laughs> Kim, you know, and it would tear my wife up when she'd say, hey, Kim. <laughs> you know, and I would just do that just to ag it on. You know, I quit it, though, because I knew it was bothering my wife profusely. And, and she'd want to get my little daughter to call me David. She'd never call me by my first name. She'd always call me Daddy. But uh, just a, it's just a little thing there. And yeah, I know kids are goats and sheep, so that's nothing to be demeaning or derogative. I understand that, but it's a Got term that. of endearment from the Southern people. Right. Is, is Steve always picks on me about hell? You know, he always. <laughs> uh, you know, I, we we have such different uh, euphemisms and things in the South that the people don't understand, but. For whatever reason, I, I grew up in the South, so I know a lot of them. Uh, I can share a lot of them, but some of them I can't share. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're not they're not dirty or nasty, but I, I made a statement the other day to uh, 
uh, Tyler Quell, as a matter of fact, it was Steve Quell's son. Uh, I said, where's Daddy Rabbit at? And uh, <laughs> he, he said, Daddy Rabbit? I said, yeah, you're Daddy. He said, well, why did you call him Daddy Rabbit? I said, you don't know what that means? He said, I don't have a clue what that means. I said, well, if you put two male rabbits, and they're called bucks, one of them will castrate the other one by chewing his testicles off. If you get two male buck rabbits in a cage, they will fight because one is going to be submissive to the other ones. I'm not saying that to be ugly, but that's where the term in the South, he's daddy rabbit. You know, he, he rules. And so those are just wow. little euphemisms, you know, and, and from the South, all sorts of stuff, you know. Uh, I was man, talking man, to a guy a, one day about a piece scary. of equipment. He said, man, that thing's as handy as a shirt pocket. And uh, uh, just little things that people say that, that are used in the South and people have to learn uh, what they mean, and they make a lot of sense when you understand it. But, yeah, there are a lot of things that are said and done in, sure. in the southern part of the United States that people are raised on farms and in the country. They have a lot of cliches and sayings, and a lot of people don't understand them. But when you understand them, it makes all the sense in the world. And as I said, I didn't say that to be ugly, uh, but that's where the term Danny Rabbit came from because one of those is going to be the dominant male if you're raising rabbits. You can't put two males together because one will, will destroy the other one. Uh, and they will, they will fight and run around the cage till the one conquers the other one. And that's how they conquer them. So, there's a lot of things like this. So we're not being condescending to children by no means by calling them kids. So, right. if we offended right. you for that, folks, we apologize for that. Pastor, before we get, uh, moving forward here, if we do get cut off, because, uh, Pastor is right underneath some pretty heavy thunderstorm cells right now, very ugly on the radar. So, if we do happen to get cut off, just keep, uh, just keep Pastor and his wife and family in your prayers because, you know, it's, it's, it could very well get ugly down there. And the second thing, real quickly is folks we are getting inundated and i mean inundated with information from law enforcement sources uh, from orange county florida and other locations about the orlando shooting if you do have specific intelligence and you are uh, willing to be vetted in other words we can verify your identity because we're not going to run with anything um, but but we will keep your identity private. Send it to us. Yeah. Okay. We got some good stuff here. Yes. Yes. Tomorrow we will be getting into this more, rather than take time out tonight. But I'm telling you, there there's more to this shooting now than um, you can ever imagine. Yeah. It's so convoluted. And just the last, uh, I want to say one last thing on the shooting before we go back to Pastor Langford. Uh, there's two narratives here. One that this shooter was a uh, Islamic extremist terrorist cell and two uh, one I'm looking more towards is a self-hating man who took his pain out on humanity and those that he hated or like himself because he was, was apparently homosexual well, or at least bisexual. But at least that's what yeah. his ex-wife said. Yeah, and, and there, there are there there are forensic there is forensic evidence here in the behavioral analysis aspect of his right. profile that we could take and, a look at. We will take a look at tomorrow. And the last thing I want to say is uh, his ex-wife and his uh, ex-wife's new fiance did a, a British TV station interview on on SBT Brazil. I'm sorry, not British Brazil. Uh, his name was Diaz. Um, 
and he is the fiancé of the ex-wife of Omar, and he claimed that the FBI told them not to mention to the American media about the gay tendencies of Omar Mateen. No, homosexual tendencies. Yes. Right. That's right. And I just wanted to make that, All right. uh, let that be known. So tomorrow, uh, tune in tomorrow, but, but right now we've got some very pressing information with Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism, by the way, um, with Jim Baker, Gary Haven, Tom Horn this August. Uh, and Steve Quayle this August in Branson, Missouri, August 19th, 2021. Check the Jim Baker website, please. Uh, and, and, uh, hey, Hagman listeners, you could fill that, fill that, uh, venue up in a heartbeat. So, Pastor, take it away, sir. And by the way, uh, there's no registration fee. So, you know, that's why I'm encouraging everyone to keep looking at the website daily because Lori, Tribal, who is his executive secretary, said they'll have something on there this week. Uh, it'll be like click on event. And so they'll cut it off at 1,000 people, and uh, that'll probably happen pretty quick because we're, we're still uh, a little over two months out. And I, as I told Lori, you know, it would break my heart for someone to make a sacrifice or whatever uh, to fly in, someone to keep their children or whatever the case might be and get there and have to be turned away because there's no seating capacity. That's why we're looking at next year um, Steve and I and Tom and probably Gary with us are looking at a three to 5,000 seat auditorium in Branson itself and to have another one of these meetings because we just feel like you know, and, and and I hope people understand we're not being braggadocious or arrogant or think that we're we're big crowd drawers. It has nothing to do with that. But people are so starving for the word of God and for truth and an opportunity to have fellowship um, and uh, to get in a good Holy Ghost Spirit filled service. I'll be preaching Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. And Tom and Steve will be teaching during the day. And then I think Friday we'll be taping. Uh, like a roundtable discussion with Gary Haven. So it'll be a tremendous time, and, of course, we'll be serving communion after the service Sunday morning, and we'll also be having water baptism there as well. They have a a swimming pool there on the property, uh, which is, I don't know, several hundreds of yards away, but uh, we'll have arrangements to do that as well for those who want to be water baptized. This is going to be indoors, right, or outdoors? Yeah, the meeting will be indoors. Okay, but the okay. actual pool and the baptism will be outdoors for that event. And uh, so uh, that reminds me, we'll be having a meeting in Knoxville the 28th, excuse me, the 30th of September, October 1st and 2nd, uh, with here the Watchman. And that pool is outside as well. So uh, that's another good thing for us there. But what Joe was just talking about um you know, God judges homosexuality uh, far greater than other sins. And people say, well, you know, I thought God was just. Well, yes, he is just. But he's never done to a city as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them what he did to them versus other nations. Um Abraham said, "If there be ten righteous, now you got to you got to remember, he starts out at fifty, forty, thirty, twenty. Ten righteous, will you spare the cities?" In, in uh, uh, Genesis eighteen, 
And God said, Abraham, if I find ten righteous, I will spare the cities. It shows you how holy they were given over to the Spirit. And for that, God destroyed them. And then people say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, Peter, Second Peter 2, 6 says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that afterwards should live ungodly. And that's just a sin that God hates because if that happened in 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 general in in humanity and in the animal kingdom, we're just one generation from extermination. Uh, that I, I suppose that's why God has such uh, harsh feelings toward that because He told Adam and Eve, Noah, replenish the earth and multiply, and uh, you know God put it within men and women when they get married you know Doug you know Joe uh, couples want children you know what is bizarre is homosexuals want children you see their lives are still not complete after they get their marriage but because they cannot produce they then want the laws to be passed where they can adopt children to try to make themselves a nuclear real family. Well, that's not still a real family. But people think, see, there you Christians are haters. No. No. The Bible says in Psalms 127.3, the reward of the Lord is the fruit of the womb. Lo, children are a heritage. That's the reward of a man and a woman being able to conceive and have a child. And I've always said this. Children, when they're little, are the greatest toys in the world. And somebody may be offended at that. But, you know, when my kids were, you know, by the time they get to be about a year to 18 months till they're about three and a half, man, they are so much fun, you know, playing, cutting up, putting lemon juice in their mouth, look at the contortions of their face all the silly, crazy stuff you do, in the floor playing with them, all the crazy stuff, throwing them up in the air, slinging them around, you know, making them gasp for their breath, you know, just just, just playing with them. And, 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 and But see, two lesbians or two sodomite men, they, they can't do that. They, they don't have the reward of the Lord. See, and the reason they wanted marriage was because Hebrews thirteen four says marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So they want that honor. Well, now they got the honor, but they cannot get the reward of the Lord. Why? Because they cannot procreate. See, so even though they got what they wanted in the sense of being able to secure marriage. They still cannot get the reward of the Lord because the Bible said the reward of the Lord is the fruit of the womb. That's that's the reward, being able to bear the fruit of a child, offspring. And they can't do that. So then they, you know, and let's be realistic, folks. If you're raised in a gay home, the chances are, you know, pretty much are you're going to think that way and act that way because you're going to be taught that way. But it's been amazing, though, the kids that have been raised in homosexual couples have turned out to be straight more times than not. I don't know if people know that or not, 
but they turn out to be straight more times than not because they know it's abnormal. Because, see, that child, for whatever reason, God has protected them from becoming seduced or demon-possessed. God has kept his hand on that child's life, and then they marry and, be, and, and keep their heterosexuality. And so uh, he just shows you, as Joe said, this, 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 uh, this Omar Mateen, what he was fighting. And I, I think he hated, because of his religion, he hated that sodomy so much, he vented it on taking other people's lives. You know, uh, uh, in First Samuel chapter 18, verse 10, it says, And Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it came to pass on, on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. So God sends an evil spirit, and it came upon Saul. And this spirit was a spirit that wanted to kill David. Because if you'll keep reading in, in the scripture there, Saul got mad while David was there uh, playing uh, the harp. And he takes the javelin and he throws it uh, at David. And, of course, David avoided uh, the javelin. And uh, Saul recognized then that the Lord was with him. And the Lord was protecting David from Saul. And uh, you know, Saul ultimately gives uh, David uh, one of his daughters to marry. And uh, I don't know if he thought that would mitigate or change something or whatever. But even though he gave him uh, that uh, his daughter, he, he was always seeking a means and a method to, to kill David. And... Uh, he told David, you know, he would he would bless him and give him this and that if he would go get him a hundred foreskins of Philistines. So he knew David would have to kill a hundred men to get a hundred foreskins. And so he uh, he thought that would that would suffer David to get killed. But to show you how God is so great, David slew two hundred men and brought their foreskins in a bag and gave them to Saul and brought him twice what he asked for. So, you know, my point in sharing that is no matter what the devil does, God always overcomes, does greater, more more extravagant, more powerful things because surely that was twice what Saul asked. So he God allowed and compounded the danger from a hundred men to two hundred men. See, and so David, uh, he uh, he slew two hundred men and uh, and brought them to uh, to Saul uh, for his for his daughter. It was kind of a a bargaining tool, you might say. Uh, but he was trying to get David killed, but God was with him and he couldn't kill him. And that, that's why you know, in my personal life, I never lose hope. I don't care what Obama does. I don't care what Billary does. I never lose hope in God. You know, Romans 5 and 5, Paul said, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed or brought in their hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I never lose hope. I, the Holy Ghost will not allow me to lose hope. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, First John 4, 4. I can't lose hope, because the Spirit of God will not allow me to lose hope. 
the Spirit of God in me never ceases to let me give up. He keeps me in the fight. You know, Second Corinthians 4, 7, Paul said, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be made manifest in our bodies. And that's because Paul said, God has put this treasure in these earthen clay jars, which that's what we are. We're, we're Some of us are even crackpots. Uh, God has put the treasure of the Spirit of God in us. And because He lives in me, I never lose hope. I never lose hope. I've seen some ominous times in my life. I've seen some difficult times in my life. I've watched this nation, uh, you know, as it's deteriorated and gotten worse and worse. I remember in 1984 uh, when Ronald Reagan declared the Bible to be the book of the year. And I thought, how we have fallen in 32 years. We have Muslims in this nation that are murdering people left and right, and our president is a Muslim, and yet he will not use the term radical Islam, because that's who he is. He's not going to demean, neither castigate himself. You have to understand his psyche. He will not suffer himself. That's why there's something right now that is agitating this man. And, and I'm hoping that God allows the agitation to blow his fuse, and he exposes himself. You know, whether it's a, 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 a mistake in his speech, or he, he betrays himself. He, but you, you know, you, you, can, you can tell so many lies till you cannot remember what you have said. I'm hoping that somehow, some way before the election, he exposes himself. Uh, and God has the ability to allow that to come to fruition. That's my heart's desire. And, and, and it's, not, it's not to see the man destroyed or ruined. It's to open the eyes of the blind. It's not that I hate the man and I want to see the man, you know, obliterated. No, 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 no. My, my heart is that people will say, oh, my Lord, I just couldn't believe that. But it's the truth. You know, uh, we, 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 it's amazing how people of God can see things, and then the sinner people don't even have a clue to the reality of what's taking place. It, it, it's the most amazing dichotomy I've ever seen. To, to, to see something, to know that it's wrong, to know that it's evil, to know that it is a lie, and the person standing right beside you doesn't even have a clue that it's a lie, that it's wrong, that it's error, it's erroneous. And it's like, how can you not see that? But then the Bible says, you know, uh, in the 13th chapter of Matthew, they have eyes to see and they see not ears to hear, and they hear not. And this people's heart is wax gross, lest they should be converted, and I should heal them. You know, sin is a disease. It's a sickness. So when he says that I should heal them, it's talking about the healing of the soul, redeeming the soul, buying it back, because it's marred with sin. And so God redeems it through his shed blood. But he can't do that because they don't want to see. No man is as blind as a man who does not want to see. You know, I had a 
a business deal yeah. some time ago, and uh, me and the attorney, we had uh, a little confrontation over the money. And I said, I've brought everything here to, I don't care, he said. And uh, so we had to get the lady on the phone, and we went through the the, 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 the list there, and there was a almost a $4,000 mistake. Well, when he was proven he was wrong, oh, he wanted to take me through his office and show me all of his paintings and his pictures. He was into uh, uh, all over the world in uh, sailing boats, France, Paris, Haiti. Uh, but, but up to that point, his arrogance was sickening. But once we got the accountant lady on the phone and proved without any reasonable doubt he was in error, his whole disposition changed. But he was so argumentative and arrogant, and I, I, was, I was about to lose my cool. My wife saw it. I started to reach in my pocket and give him a $20 bill. I said, you know what? You need to take this $20 bill and go buy yourself a personality, and, and I'll pay you what I owe you, and I'll go to another attorney. But he was humiliated when he was proven his gross error. But, you know, I, I, did, I didn't do that to demean the man. I did that because I knew I was right, and I was rightfully owed that money. You and, know, And, Pastor, many don't recognize their blindness. And even the Scripture says, um, and there's a few different ways the Scripture says this. One, in uh, John 12, verse 40, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Um, then it goes to... Uh, First John, chapter two, verse eleven. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goes, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. And then there's another reference where it talks about the veil being broken. But their mind, their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Yeah, that's that that particular verse there is addressing the Mosaic Law. They're still blind because they've not walked through that partition, that veil that Christ split when he died on the cross. And then the other references there is the darkness of the world in the sense of satanic darkness. They see naturally just like anybody else sees. They see the sun, they see the stars, they see cars, they see houses, but they can't see spiritually. That was the whole problem with the Mosaic Law. They just couldn't get it. And, and, and there are those today who who are still can't see through that. That's why that veil was sprint. I tell people, here's here's the tragedy of the law. You could never have an opportunity to do anything for God and God's service in the temple functions and its functionality unless you were of the tribe of Levi. Well, guess what? Everyone now can function in the body of Christ because we're not under that economy, that system no more. See, when you if you if you, if you wanted to go into the temple and do anything that was relative to ministry, sorry, pal, you're of the tribe of Dan, you're of the tribe of Benjamin. If you're not of the tribe of Levi, you're 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 incapable of ever having a part of anything to do in the temple. And uh, it's like Mary and Joseph. 
Mary and Joseph were both of the tribe of Judah because all the kings came out of the tribe of Judah. So God doubled up on Mary and Joseph both being from the tribe of Judah to make sure his son was from the line of the tribe of Judah. He is king of kings and lord of lords. So, you know, I don't want to get into all of that tonight, but there's a reason why God does things and did things. And when you're blind, of course, you cannot see the reasoning behind doing what he did. See? And, and, and so that's the danger of not knowing the Scriptures. That's the danger in not being led by the Spirit of God. That's the danger of having a failed prayer life, you know. I pray all the time. I ask God to help me make wise, prudent decisions. And if I'm not to do something, God, stop it. Don't don't let me get into something I don't need to be involved in. You know, you know, Doug, you and I talked about that about going to certain meetings and and events. You know, if I'm to be there, I'll, God will they'll invite me. I'll I'll be there. If God didn't want me there, I don't I don't grapple and struggle whether I'm there or not. See, that's what causes envy and jealousy. Well, I think I I need to be there. That's right. Well, that's did, did you notice what I said? I think I need to be there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I. Well, if God wants me there, I'll be there. If he doesn't want me there, I won't be there. And so I don't grapple with jockeying or trying to get in a position because, you see, I trust God with my life. I know he knows more than I know. He's smarter than I am. He's more powerful than I am. He's my creator. I'm the creature. Uh, you know, we, we get irritated sometimes because we, 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 the other day I left the house and I left my, uh, my keys, uh, to the office, uh, on the dresser drawer, on the top of the dresser, I mean. And I thought, doggone it, I gotta turn around and go back. Well, yeah, I said doggone it and it aggravated me, but then I stopped, I said, wait a minute. God could have done that, allowed me to miss that getting my keys because I could have had a head on collision automobile accident. But God deterred that, and I may never know that on this side of eternity, but he said he used that to turn me around 180 degrees and send me back, or just to delay me from something. See, we never know. That's why we talk about the sovereignty of God, the the, the omnipotence, the all-knowing of God. But then when something doesn't go our way, we're like a little child, and we have a temper tantrum. Well, yeah. I, I don't like this. It, it, wait a minute. Did God God could, is sparing you from something far worse? That's why I love to, to, to teach and talk about Joseph, because in, and that little excerpt is on my on my uh, uh, website, and uh, Rhonda put it up for me from the Jim Baker show. God allowed Joseph to be put in the in the pit to save him from murder. To the caravan of Midianites got to where he was to take him down to Egypt. And so most of us would have been bickering and grumbling and complaining to no end. What you got me in this pit for, God? What? What's this all about? And just that was Israel's problem. They murmured. Hmm. That was their That's why greatest they call it sin. The pits. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and you spoke, and folks, you spoke very. Uh, uh, Pastor Langford spoke about this on on Jim Baker yeah. excerpt on. Uh, excerpt Go to YouTube, on, uh, search the pits. Well, no, ex- it'll ex- come up. Excerpt on his, right side, on his yeah. website. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, it's, it's, it's just, we say we believe in the sovereignty of God, but when it doesn't go our way, then why do we get so upset? You see, 
my children, that when they were three years old, they did not understand the danger of playing in the highway. And so I run out there and I scream at them, get out of the road. And they're like, why are you hollering at me like that? I think I used the word kids again, didn't I? <laughs> well, my children. <laughs> uh, that's a habit from the South. But they don't understand the danger. But once they came to a, 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 a stature of maturity and understanding danger, they know now why. But up to that point, they don't realize the road I lived on, the speed limit was 55. Uh, well, you know, that's pretty fast out in the country. And, you know, you, you plan in the road, you get killed very quickly. And so as I grow older, that's why I pray so much for wisdom. I, I pray every day, God, give me wisdom, because the world is so shrewd, the world is so cunning, the world is so crafty. I need the wisdom of God to make the right decisions, because the world will sucker you and dupe you and lie to you and deceive you. And when you make a decision on all of that, folks, you have made a bad and a poor decision, because it wasn't based on truth. You know, it's that's why it, it, the, the only vestige of, of of real constitutionality that to me that's left in this nation is a trial by jury. You know, I've served a, a juror many times. I've served as a foreman. Uh, I've served as an alternate. But each each plaintiff and defendant has their opportunity to make their case, and I'm afforded my opportunity to go back there with eleven other people and adjudicate this matter and what do what do you see folks how do you see it and uh, when you get a bunch of common sense people in a room that aren't politically correct usually you come up with a, a, a pretty good decision um, but you'll notice when there's always the hanging chad or the one dissent if you look very closely through the veneer there's something going on there that shouldn't be there, whether it's racism, whether it's politics, whether it's popularity. But if you just take just pure old country folk and you, you know, there's a crime and you put them back there and you go through the evidence, they come out. Usually you get an honest uh, judgment, uh, you know, and, and, and that's the way it should be. You know, because man, no matter what, is fallible in his judgment. But to me, that's the only last. Uh, vestige uh, 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 of real honesty left in this nation is a trial by jury, and you have to even be careful uh, today that you can still get that, because there can be bias and, 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 and opinions there that shouldn't be there. And of course, that's why even in the uh, selection of a jury, uh, both attorneys or the plaintiff or defendant, no, we don't want that one. We don't want that one. And they keep calling them till they get like they feel like they got somebody that they can work with that would be clear and understanding. But Satan's objective is to blind all of us. And uh, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have blind spots. And uh, that's why there's safety, uh, Solomon said, there's safety in the multitude of counsel. It doesn't hurt to get a second opinion. It doesn't hurt to get some advice. You know, uh, it, it, and, it's, and, and one of the greatest problems with a man like Obama, the people who they put around them are, the, are, are of the same kind. 
they never rub against the grain. Well, you know, you need people around you that have the courage to question you and say, do you really think you're doing the right thing? Or do you always want people around you patting you on the back and telling you you're right? I want somebody that wants to go against the grain once in a while and make me make sure I'm doing the right thing. And that's what the Word of God does to us, along with godly counsel. That's why uh, Psalms 1.1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the west sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I don't want ungodly counsel. I want somebody that's a Christian person to give me good, solid, biblical advice and counsel, no matter what I'm dealing with. You know? Because that it's like I always, my wife and I will be talking about things like marriage. Something that a married couple has in Christianity that another married couple has that are non-Christian, we have another layer of protection because our conscience is always monitoring our actions and deeds and tells us you shouldn't be flirtatious, you shouldn't say that, or you shouldn't do that. Moral people, uh, Christian people, have to have morals. But people can have morals and not be a Christian. But I'd rather be a Christian because Christianity demands I have morality. And I think it was, uh, Doug, help me, the moral majority. What was the... Uh, uh, Jerry Falwell? Jerry Falwell, yeah. Uh, the, the, the concept there was morality, the moral majority. You... You you got to have morals. You don't have to be a Christian to have morals, but a Christian must have morals because that's the fruit of Christianity. I can't lie. I can't steal. I can't cheat. I can't commit adultery. I can't embezzle. I, I you know I can't steal from my neighbor. Christianity demands morality. Well, here's the problem when people tell me. Well, I know I'm, I'm a fornicator or I'm a homosexual, but I'm still a Christian. Well, they're not compatible, folks. And that's, that's not to be lambasting anyone. It's just you can't do that because that's immoral. It's unethical. And depending on the sin, I know fornication is a natural act. It's an ungodly, a sinful act, but it is a normal act between a man and a woman. But two women or two men is not a natural act. And so people always trying to convince me I'm this, but I'm still a Christian. Well, it's impossible. It, it, you know, it, it's like a black cow trying to convince me it's a white cow. It, I'm sorry. You know, you, you might be a black cow with some white spots or a white cow with some black spots, but if you're like us, we got Dexter cows. They're just totally solid black. And if if they could talk and say, you know, David, I'm white. I'm I'm like that's impossible. You know, I got eyes to see. And, and so this is the problem with tolerance. And of course, they they you know it depends on where it is. Well, we have zero tolerance 
for racism, or we have zero tolerance for uh, uh, offending people of, of, uh, of uh, uh, their sexual orientation, but yet they want me to tolerate their deviancy, but I, I can't expect the same out of them. And that's why we hear the phrase all the time, a double standard, a double standard, a double standard. Because it is. I, I, when I was young and I would hear people say, well, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. And, you know, forever I, I didn't really understand that. But then when I, when I witnessed it and understood it as an adult male, you know, they'll tell you one thing today and tell you something else different the next day. That's talking out of both sides of your mouth or is the... The old Indian adage was, you speak with forked tongue. Uh, and that's not a slam on any ethnicity there either. But the point is, you know, we witness it, you know, as far back as Bill Clinton sticking his bony finger in American's face and says, I, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me now. You hear me? I didn't have sex with that woman. And he was adamant, ardent, unyielding. Well, then when he's exposed for his lies and his hypocrisy and his adultery, I have an, a, an inappropriate relationship. See, uh, you like your health care, you keep your health care. See, after a while you finally understand these people are liars. And it's like the old saying, a leopard can't change his spots. These people will never change until Jesus gets in their heart. You, you, we should never expect anything different. You know, for me to expect that Hillary Clinton is going to change, that Obama's going to change, or whoever the case might be, I, I, that's never going to happen. The, the only way that can happen is if Christ, that's why the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore... If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Even Islam does not teach a new birth. They just teach discipline and doctrine and dogmas and tenets. But they don't teach a new birth. Being born again, being saved, washed in the blood of Jesus. They don't teach that. They just teach adherence. See? But Jesus taught being born again, and of course... Nicodemus in John chapter 3 says, how, how do I get back into my mother's womb the second time? You know, Jesus said, that that's of the flesh is of the flesh, that that's of the spirit is of the spirit. He said, I'm talking to you about spiritual things now. And so, being born again, you now take on the nature of Christ, because he now has a place of residence in your heart. So you think different, you talk different, you behave different, you cut all the old ties, you, you cut off going to all the old places. Why? You are a new creature. Old things are now passed away. In other words, they're dead. They're supposed when something passes away. When they say so and so passed away, well, that means they're dead. Old things have passed away. That means that old David Lankford is dead, and this is the new David Lankford. Now he doesn't curse and swear and knock holes in sheetrock and beat people up and you know get drunk and race cars and carry on and have wrecks and get locked up for DUIs, that, that man's gone. He no longer exists because he's passed away. See? Now, believe you me, the devil wants to bring him back to life. Uh, he wants to raise that old man back up. But I, I've got to keep that old man 
in the coffin, nailed as tightly and, and, and shut as I can so he doesn't get out. Because if he gets out, he's going to damage me. He's going to harm me in some way. He will harm my reputation. You know, uh, that's his goal. Uh, look how many people's reputations, not even Christian people, but sinner people, have their reputation has been ruined because they were deceptive. Uh, who was the guy who had the testicular cancer, the, uh, won all the, uh, France, uh, the bike races, uh, um, yeah, Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Thanks. Yeah. You see, 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 he was doping. He was cheating. Well, now he's, he's not known for, I think, what did he win? Seven or something like that? Seven Tour de France titles, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and so now you see, he is he, all dishonest. So he ruined his reputation because he, he was dishonest. You see, that's what I'm talking about morality here. A Christian can't do that because they are going to be moral and, and, and do and play the game the right way. It's like the other day, uh, some mother's protesting because a transgender guy won the female foot race. And they're lambasting the mother because she's protesting. That's not a girl, that's a guy. Well, what's fair about that? I mean, when I was in high school, there was no girl. I was the third fastest guy when I was in high school. There was a black guy and another white guy and then me in high school running track. And we had 1,500 students in our school. And about half of them were guys. And um, I run the 440 relay and stuff like that. And, uh, and Gene Russell was the black guy. He run the last leg of the 440 relay, the last 110 yards. Uh, but the, the point is... They're lambasting her because she's protesting that it's a guy in the race. Well, tell me what's fair about that. Well, there's nothing fair about that because that's a man running against a woman. You know, I mean, but but it's like brainwash everybody into believing lies and then we all be happy. Well, that's the problem with Christianity. A true Christian will not be brainwashed. They will not be deceived. Because if they are the elect of God, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. But it's not possible because the Spirit of God will continue to reside in that elect, elected person's heart. Second Peter 1.10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fail. You, 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 you're not going to fall if you keep your calling and election, and you keep your life the way it ought to be. So... Uh, Hope I didn't no, talk that's right on the, money. the last hour. And that's right on the money. And, and so often, and I'll just speak for myself here, uh, you know, not being uh, diligent in my walk with Christ, backsliding will lead to the, letting that confusion in, to letting the the carnal human nature side in. And the more that I cling to the Lord and, and to the, reading the scriptures and, and taking the time to pray and and sitting down and, and making sure that I have my dialogue with him, the uh, easier things are, the better Amen. I feel. But the more I stem, I, I walk away from that, the angrier I get, the, uh, you know, it just, it's like the common sense leaves you. 
and yeah. it is the Lord. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, Joe. The common sense leaves you because God is full of common sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's exceptional, and, and I certainly need uh, a lot of that. Um, you know, I need to go back to that. It was interesting what you said too. You know how we started the program with with acceleration, uh, ignition, mm-hmm. um, and now we see everything unfolding right before us. You know, Pastor, it just seems like we are facing uh, uh, we we are facing so many uh, uh, so many things all at one time. But we know how the story ends. We know that we're going to be we're already victorious, you know. So, um, wow, it, just just wow. That's my go-to word. People know. That. <laughs> I love it too. No, it's just it's just amazing. Well, I just want to thank you. I mean, we're, we've got about a minute and a half left of our show. I want to thank you just for sharing everything that you did and really clarifying a lot of things. Uh, you and Steve, the first two hours, and of course you, the the last hour uh, solo. Great job. Is is there any uh, in in the in the final minute and a half or so anything that you care to share or you feel that's on your heart that that people need to hear I, at the moment? I just moment? want to encourage the people to to try to discipline their life to spend more time in prayer and the Bible. You know, I'm like Paul in First Corinthians 15 and verse 10. I am what I am by the grace of God, and you know, God's grace is the water and the power as the potter to form our vessels we're vessels into what we ought to be for God and so as Joe well said when he spends time with God it keeps him balanced it keeps him in his common sense of reasoning uh, a better temperament a better disposition uh, that's, the, that's, that, that's that newness in Christ and when you buy a new car they'll send you off the lot with a full tank of gas but that will only get you several hundred miles. You've got to put fuel in it again. And when we pray and read our Bible, we're putting the right kind of fuel into our spirit. And, 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 and so just just try to find time to pray and find time to read your Bible. You'll, you'll be surprised. Joe, you know that's a testimony what it does in your life. Absolutely. Amen. Pastor Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com. That's thevoiceofevangelism.com. Please visit the website there. Take a look at the at the video, especially the uh, video from uh, Jim Baker. And, uh, Pastor, thank you so much for all of your time, your hard work, and uh, making it through. Praise God, making it through the storms. Yeah, I'll praise yeah, so. God for that because it was getting kind of, it's still thundering and lightning. But uh, God bless everyone, and thank you, Joe and Doug, for allowing Steve and I to come on, and hopefully yeah. we cleared up and gave people some peace of mind tonight. I'm you sure. you did, absolutely. Uh, anytime, you're welcome to come on. God bless you, Pastor. God you bless have a great you. Night. Thank you so both for right. everything you do for us, too. Bye-bye. All have right. a good night. Bye-bye. Tomorrow night, open phone line Wednesday. But information about the shooting. If you have information in your law enforcement, we could vet you. Send it. Good night tomorrow. tomorrow.